Hello there, welcome to episode number eight of True Cult Pop, the pop rock metal alternative country salsa jazz hip hop R and B soul skiffle ska punk mm. gent grime ska punk yeah yeah you sure you sure yeah. you want to talk about real big fish no 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 we'll do lesson Jake one day just to, sorry oh, do that oh, anyway. Oh. Uh, uh, anyway music music podcast it's a music podcast with me Stephen Hill hello hope you're Doing all right and joining me, uh, the bitch ho to my little wheezy. <laughs> oh, I was really hoping, really hoping you weren't going to say that because uh, now I'm going to have to well, just giggle, aren't I? Anyway, go on. It's Sam Slight. How you doing? I'm all right. Thank you, Steve. Uh, wheezy as well, apparently, but uh, I'm all good. i tell you what, mate. Bit of housekeeping before we start. Yeah, I've go got on. your Halloween costume for next year sorted. Are you aware of the God of War series of games? I know the name. I know the name. Yeah, I know what. I've not played it. It's not FIFA, is it? So I haven't actually played it. It's not FIFA, it. no. Why would I play uh, a computer game? Is it people call computer games a game. That's <laughs> a thousand-year-old man talking about something. Uh, I don't play video games unless it's FIFA, really. I've got a wrestling gl- one. Glad you've got that £450 FIFA machine, then. That's good. I have, yeah. Uh, anyway, Google Kratos from God of War. At some point, in your own convenience, I think... That will be a project for you next year. My inconvenience is now it's um it's oh go on man. then it's not like you're doing anything important are you? It, it's a, it's a bald man. Uh, vid- what's his name? Ragnarok. That's no, no that's Kratos. The... That's the name of the game, but he's okay. on the cover. He's the one who looks like you could be him. Basically, not the teenage boy standing next to him. So before anyone asks, no, we're not going to do a jewel Halloween next year. I'm not going to be a trailer. Ah, <laughs> you do Fuck look sake. like him. I look, do, to be fair. <laughs> look. Um, <laughs> he's I a mean, little bit more capable than I am, so you know. I don't. I mean, this is a this is just a bald man with a beard. You, yeah, you know, exactly. You, you're basically already there. That is true. I have to put a bit of red paint across. He looks like a member of Tourisas. I can assure you, he's a lot cooler than that. Uh, well, even I, though he exists in a digital. So space. am I. To be fair, like I mean, well, yeah. I mean, Tourisas. I'm pretty sure even even I am. I think you are. I think most mate, things. just about. Yeah. Okay, I mean. Uh, Tom Dare furiously writing a constant email <laughs> in anger at us slagging off Tourisass only three minutes into the podcast. Um, but I like y- their Boney M cover, if that's, you know, any yeah. kind of consolation. That was quite good. Yeah. Uh, I know that's all I know of them, really. I mean, me too, to be fair. But I mean, maybe they're brilliant. If that's the benchmark, yeah. you know, maybe. 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 Do you remember when Metal <laughs> Hammer did? I don't know if you you remember this, but Metal Hammer did a, but some sort of battle in the of the bands, and they did it in um, in an actual box. The bands played in a boxing ring, and they had no. they had Death Stars, Tourists, and it was someone like it wasn't Lordy or the Berserker, but it was someone like that. Some sort of goblin band dressed as goblins and then just like a metalcore band. I don't remember who. Like sort of <laughs> Exit 10 asking Alexandria, just like guys with asymmetrical haircuts. And I remember reading mm. the feature and thinking that band must have really been like, is this really the only way we can get into Metal Hammer? <laughs> is to stand in a boxing ring with Tourisass. But that was you know, probably Gil's idea, that was. No. Bloody old probably what it actually probably was. Uh, anyway, um, let us know if you remember that because you don't remember. It. Obviously, Sam, just judging from I, your reaction. No, I don't. I mean, I remember Chirisas. They got a cover feature, didn't they? I don't think they got a cover feature. 
Okay, well, I, I remember them being, you know... Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, that's why I asked. I don't know. I remember them being covered in the mag. Maybe not on the front cover, but I don't remember there being a battle of the bands in a boxing ring. That sounds interesting, to say it, the well, least. It, it wasn't interesting. It was stupid. But oh, right. it was, they were called... Um, uh, bonk the head or so like stone God. the head they were like cavemen they were all dressed they had yeah, like yeah. like loincloth on well not loin, like bare whatever what the fuck do cavemen wear they were wearing that and they had like big clubs and they were kind of like ooga booga we're a death metal and all of the goat the head they were called goat the head I'm sure they were called goat the head can anyone remember this can anyone at true cult pop on twitter can you remember goat the head or have I just made this, is this some sort of weird fever dream that I've just remembered. Quite possibly. I remember the head from Art Attack. It's not that. It's not that. No. It's definitely not that. Um, okay, right. Listen, just before we go any further, I'll tell you what's on the show this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about new albums uh, or new re- music releases. This one's not an album. From Tapai Houston and Melted Bodies. Uh, plus, I went to see Kendrick Lamar twice. Uh, we are going to be talking about Download Festival. We are going to be talking about the big goth versus... <laughs> Um, <laughs> goth bad haircuts. Bad. I didn't want to say bad haircuts because goths do have quite bad haircuts sometimes. The ah. big, the big goth versus mod kickoff that happened only this morning, and we're doing Matty Healy watch. But most importantly, oh good. Uh, I have been. I I went to go and check out the guys from not check them out, but talk to the gents from Show Me the Body. We uh, reviewed their new album last week. And um, I wanted to go and talk to them. So I went and spoke to them, which is what you're going to be hearing later on. Appreciate them coming on. Before we get to that, though, if you'd like to go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop, you can sign up for all of our exclusive content for any amount of money. You can sign up and get access to the your cult pop tier where you can suggest a record or or anything. Someone actually suggested that we do the devil and Daniel Johnson, the, the, the documentary about Daniel Johnson today. And I have to say, I'm very keen. I'm very, very, very keen to do that because mm. that is a fucking amazing, amazing film. Anyway, that's not the point. That's not going up. But if you're listening to this podcast today on the day that it comes out, today being the 11th of November, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and there'll be a new True Cult Pop uh, special. Your Cult Pop. Your Cult Pop podcast yeah. on Belinda Carlisle's On Wild Horses record. Mm. So we're going in, fully going in on it. So the first solo album we've done. From a runaway mem- horses runaway right? horses now on yeah, yeah. that's something different completely isn't it yeah, um, yeah i'm getting confused with emma ruth rundle now I yeah think. i am yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, this is the first album we've done from a former member of the germs <laughs> that is true that is true yeah other so, such revelations one pound please, we'll, we'll be there for a pound uh we'd like to say thanks as well if you signed up for our true classic pop tier for five pound a month you get a pair of classic albums one went up this week we'll be talking about the band a little bit later on as we uh i'll want to do but we did bring me the horizons sempaternal uh this week and um we've had some pretty nice comments regarding the record good to see everyone seems to be in fairly firm agreement that it is a classic i think it is mm. it's a great record i i think you'd be hard pressed to argue that it well one isn't great and two i think yeah, the impact that it made, as you so eloquently sort of argued, it's, it's pretty undeniable. Um, and for me, uh, well, for people who are like me, who've basically had Bring Me The Rise and pretty much written off for years and years and years, worth going back to them, because I feel like I have misjudged that band quite quite badly, to be honest, and mm. uh, turned, a, turned a new leaf with them. 
yeah, they're fucking, they're 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 fucking good. When they're good at that mm. period, they're good. Unbelievable. Guess who's woke up? This is like, do you think Bonjour thinks she's on the show now? Because she's been sat in that chair behind me all day. She hasn't moved. Mm. And the second we've been recording for less than ten minutes, she's up and at them again. And it seems to be happen all the time. I think she thinks she's on the show now. You're not on the show, Bonjour. Well, she yeah. can be, but she's not getting half of my Patreon cut. I'll put it that way. <laughs> be Buy your own cat the... food. <laughs> That's what I, the only thing I spend money on is. I mean, she had a urinary tract infection. It cost me 150 oh. quid to get her the oh, geez. stuff. Oh, That's a fucking nightmare. Anyway, <laughs> worth it. Worth it. Uh, right. Let's talk about the various tunes that have been stuck in our head this week. I'm going to let you start, Sam, because I feel like mine is ridiculous again so you picked <laughs> a classic of sorts a true underground classic let's go absolutely uh yes it is a classic in a you know very sort of small circle of people who uh listened to it at the time i feel like the legacy of the album that this song is from has grown exponentially which we'll get to it is to our friends of the great white north from we Are the Romans by Botch, an absolute classic released in 1999 on Hydrahead Records. Um, such an important album that when I went to Wikipedia, there's not even a specific date of release. It just came mm. out in November. So that could be an interesting one to uh, sort of dive into. I mean, I don't know if to be able to get a classic's worth of material out of that album, but the strength, of the quality of the record, it definitely deserves it. And it all starts with this song. Um, just an absolute worldie. So many hooky moments throughout it for what is quite an angular, you know, heavy hardcore song bordering mm. on, you know, mathcore, I'd say, but not quite to the same extent as Dillinger, you know, who released Cal- Calculating Infinity that year. But from that opening riff through Set Apart, Great Divides, it's amazing. There's so many awesome bits to it. The second verse that, um, it breaks the worst out of me with the syncopated drums and the riff, you know, David Nudson's riff just sort of like dripping around it. It's so cool. And I mean, for me, if I had to sort of pinpoint the best bit of that song, it's always good when they save the best till last, I find, uh, unless it's like putting a, a long experimental track at the end of your quite poor metal album. But after the, it's your fault, you're fucking up the kids, that quiet bit where yeah. it all just Love drips that. out to just the percussion and just the tss, tss. Right, and that bending with that so good, mate. So good, it's amazing. Such a fucking tune. Um, I have only really, well, only really heard about Botch probably five or six years ago. But I've been a fan, well, ever since I was basically told, "Oh, mate, you should check out We Are the Romans." And it was like, "Oh yeah, I should have done that." This is amazing, and. Well, the main reason I picked this, beyond it just being a banger, is that my copy of the repress of We Are The Romans turned up this Monday, and I've been a very happy bunny with it. On CD, or...? No, the vinyl repress that uh, Sergeant House put out this year. What? Oh, I didn't know oh, this. Oh, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, it happened. I think they announced it, God, three, four months ago, and it, you know, sold out all four variants in seconds. I was really lucky to grab a snagger copy. Um, they also... <laughs> Well, I mean, that's you know, there are so many other things with Botch that I think everyone's missed out on because they've announced two dates uh, for next year uh, that mm. sold out. In, I think they both sold out in a combined thirteen seconds or something like that. Yeah, yeah, which is annoying. But they're not but getting not back an- together. No, it's Come not on. as annoying as everything they've been saying on. Well, <laughs> not they, particularly Brian Cook on socials. He's like, "Oh yeah, we're doing a repress. We're not going to do any new material." Then a new song comes out. He's like, "Oh, well, we've done new material, but like, we're not going to do any more. We're not going to, you know." 
reform. We're not going to play shows. Then they played that birthday party show. It's like, yeah, fair enough, whatever, you know, do what you want. He's like, well, it's not leading to any more shows. And now they are doing shows. For fuck's sake, shit or get off the pot. I know you've got loads of other great bands, but like David Nudson probably wants to get back to it, let alone the other two members of Botch. It's like, come on, come on, Brian. Yeah, well, then they are getting back together, aren't they? Clearly, he's talking out of his ass. He's just not just yeah. saying, no, we're not doing it when he is. It's a complete lie, obviously. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think didn't... he's just been contrarian, but whatever. Just, uh, I, I don't like being messed around. Is the no, thing. no, don't play with my emotions and toy with them please. in this sort of way, please, guys. Um, yeah, look, you know, I love this record. I bought this record. Botch was still together the first time around when I got this record. So I still held out wow. some level of hope of, yeah, all right, I'm that old, fine. Um, oh, no, that wasn't a wow, you're old. That was, wow, that's really cool that you were there when this was happening. And I know I mean, you were for a lot of these sort of mathy hardcore bands and stuff. Yeah, but. I mean, I say I was there. I never got to see them, unfortunately. They never came over when when uh, when this was sort of about. But I do remember, I mean, to the point where when Anthology of Dead Ends, their final release in 2002 came out i do i, I did kind of uh i did get that I, i'm not gonna say the day it came out but i got it as soon as i could humanly as as get to a record available. shop that i imagined would would have it uh and they'd already split up at that point unfortunately mm. I, I don't know if they played their last show but i remember there anyway but i do remember getting this because they'd supported dillinger and everyone had gone like oh my god watching dillinger and at this point i was aware of dillinger Mm. and not aware of botch but then i saw we are the romans in a tiny little tiny tiny little record shop and i was like oh well i have to invest in that and pressing play on this song and it being like straight away <laughs> and also i thought you know that da, 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 that bit where they just hit the yeah, the yeah that thing same over, and over again and over again yeah um i thought my cd had stuck when i heard that first time because you know no, yeah. that's how different rhythmically sounding these bands were that you were literally like is this meant to happen or is my cd fucking because I, I got i remember getting it back and be like oh you're kidding me what's the fucking cd scratched and mm. it wasn't it was just that's kind of what it sounded like well not even kind of it did it did sound like that um and it's amazing actually funny enough later on when i talk about um you know hardcore being catchy or hardcore not being catchy or hardcore not using melody in 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 certain ways um with show me the body and you know we talk about the difference between uh being catchy with actual melody and being catchy mm. with rhythm and i think botch and hardcore you know like i stand i stand i'm going to stand by what i said in in the chat i do think hardcore is catchy in a rhythmical way and that's different to being catchy in a melodic way i think personally um but botch do a really really good job of chucking in lots of memorable parts in this song for a song yeah. which is so fucking extreme like really really heavy really extreme um what a tune and i mean it's probably not even i mean you know st matthew returns to the womb see thomas house soul man transitions from persona to object this has got some unbelievable this this whole record is just unbelievable is it a classic like for me uh you know i i i think it i think it is i think it's we we could do i think we could do a classic album on this because of how influential it's been in the mm. aftermath of it it's just a, just such a great record that's absolutely fair. I mean, yeah, I don't disagree. I think it is a, an absolute 10 out of 10 record. And the fact that it starts with this song that is so good and has so many hooks across its five and a bit minutes, um, even though it is 
crushingly heavy throughout and yet so dynamic as to go into these really quiet and threatening spaces before it explodes for the finale. It's pretty staggering that the rest of the record doesn't feel... Well, the rest of the record stands up to that level of quality because it's such a blindsiding opening. But uh, yeah, it's probably not my favourite track on the album, but I guess if we're going to do it for a, a classic one day down the line, I won't reveal that just yet. Mm. All right, good. Yeah, uh, don't. So to our <laughs> friends in the Great White North, what a massive tune. Good pick, yeah. Sam. I have gone Thanks for something me. ridiculous, uh, mm. really. But, but, but I think brilliant as well like completely brilliant and i've spoken about this song a whole bunch of times but i've picked next hype by temper t the 2009 single from the forest gate based grime mc forest gate obviously sounds like quite a nice place in london but it's not mm. um when i was sort of getting into or trying to get into grime i remember sort of seeing people going oh you know grime's the new punk rock and blah 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 about sort of five years ago five five six years ago and I was like, I've never really properly listened to much of it. And the bits of it that I had heard was was more of the sort of chart-friendly stuff. So I guess like um, Tinchy Strider or mm. like Tiny... Does Tiny Temper count as grime? I'm not really sure that he does. Or like N-dubs, right? I mean, again, N-dubs, right. I don't know if that is even counting as grime at all. But but my mate, my mate Sam, who is from South London, he was like, you know, people talking about fucking um, Stormzy right now. And he was like, it's good. He's like, but if you want the real heavy stuff, he was like, you want to check out a few of these things. And he, he chucked me a few bits and bobs. But he's like, I'll tell you what's a great tune that you'll like. Next Hype by Temper T. And I heard it and I was just like, this is it. This is what I want. And I know I've had, I've said this before and a few people have gone, you're obsessed with this song. And it's not the best. It's not the best grime song. I'm not saying it's the best grime song. I'm hmm. saying it's the most like hilariously aggy grime song <laughs> i have ever heard in my life and it still remains that to this day like it's so needlessly aggressive <laughs> it really is it definitely is aggressive i mean throughout i mean i've got several notes that sort of correspond to lyrics and the way it's delivered and it's just gosh he is an angry young boy your cd rack you... won't get none of your cds back <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he's definitely got a temper on him hasn't he quite aptly um this song is certainly aggressive all the way through and I do like it. It's got a really good rhythm, really good feel to it. And I think Tempest's performance on it, it got that kind of gnashing, kind of unhinged, but quite controlled, chaotic feel to it. Really, really cool. But my God, it's obnoxious as fuck, isn't it? I mean, that mm. opening line, yeah, 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 I'm still about Timps. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. good Lord, good and Lord. At the, at the end, when he goes, people ask him when the next tune, are you fucking, is this a new tune? Are you fucking mad? Like, he's actually going have a go at people. They haven't heard it while yeah. you're recording that. Presumably you haven't recorded the new song because here you are saying it's a new song. So you haven't even recorded it yet, mate. You're having a go <laughs> at people saying they're idiots for having not heard a song which you're currently in the process of recording just because they want to know when you've got a new song out. So aggressive. So basically, Temper T, uh, he pulls a man out of his car, mm. carjacks him, he kicks someone's door in, Flips the mattress over, takes some money from under the mattress. He smashes all your kids' toys. That's one uh, that Clears I like. all the things from the house. Clears all the things from the fridge. Smashes all the plates from your rack. Blah! Clears clears all your kids' toys. Blah! Clears all of your CD rack. Won't get none of your CDs back. Yeah. Calm down, tiny. Rip uh, the, calm down, temper T. Sorry, not tiny temper. Bloody right, hell. For tiny temper's absolutely fine. Rip yeah. uh, the, um, the, what's it called? The HD telly off the wall. Mm-hmm. 
throw that on the floor. And then um, someone tries to like join in with his his uh, his rhymes when he's playing live. And so he wraps mm. the mic cord around their neck and drags them to the floor and strangles them and beats them up. Yes. I mean, we should talk about the video as well. Because again, the video is, I think the video is a thing of just gritty, like I was going to say realism, but it's not realism because it's done in the, it's, no. it's madly done. It's, it's filmed clearly on a, it looks like it's filmed on a phone. Yeah, it's filmed on a camera phone, definitely. Filmed on um, a camera phone. Just before we get to the video, because I've got quite a lot to say about the video, and I imagine you do as well. Oh, um, I, I do really like that in the third verse, those kind of extra shouted bits, like the clear smash, all that, um, are slap, kick, and drapes, like he's having a fight in a <laughs> upholstery store with Adam West's Batman. That's really good. He does say he's going to rip the curtains off the off the. Yeah, but that, that's in the well, previous yeah. verse. Yeah, yeah. But in the previous verse, he says, like, I'm going to tell your curtains down. And then in the next verse, quite a few lines in, he just goes, drapes, and then gives him the next <laughs> verse. Like, oh, oh, are you still on that? Okay fine yeah. um yeah so the video i think we'll get to the beginning of the video i think that'll be maybe maybe something that we'll spend quite a lot of time on mm. i really like this video because it is done for the most part with a, re- a really nice kind of tongue-in-cheek feel to it that deliberately lo-fi spelling everything out very very literally literally for you you can't really do any kind of great analysis of the content of this video because it is Tempity acting out the things he is saying he is going to do in his song. And it's done in a slightly slapstick and wacky way, even though there is, you know, definitely an aggressive undertone to it. I think the only bit of his part of the video that doesn't really show that is when he's uh, rapping shirtless in a dark room, kind of on his own. And he's sort of just like looming out of the shadows and sort of sometimes um, covered over by this, sort of, well, I don't know if it's black mist or whatever. But um, yeah, I like the video. And the fact it's done on a camera phone, it's like, well, yeah, it's DIY, I suppose. Yeah, grime, punk in it. So brilliant. Do you have anything to say about the bulk of the video before we get into the uh, the opening scene of it? Well, I think he's in tremendous shape. Who would want to say that, Tempity? Oh yes, I think yes, he's I mean, in, he's in tremendous shape. He's do he's boxing training. Uh, he's doing some um, some jackknife like curls and stuff. He's um, uh, obviously on it with his legs. He's doing he's he's doing a, a good old. He's doing a bench press, getting the old chest done, making sure he does a a bit of a leg day as well. And all the shit, like, I mean, the thing is, you can see, it's supposed to be really threatening, but there's a bit where he pushes the mattress up and then grabs a guy in bed. And the guy's laughing. Yeah, the guy's having fun with it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think the whole, that part of the video is all in in fairly good humour. You can tell it's been done with his mates. And I like that it is knowingly a bit daft. And that's almost quite a good juxtaposition against the, the lyrics that I suppose, you know, at the time, because I, you know, I remember Cameron and stuff like that saying, "Oh, you know, all this hip hop that they're playing on Radio One, it's it's um, glorifying, you know, knife and gun crime and stuff like that." Mm. It's like, well, you've got this, which is so absurdly daft, and then delivered in a way that is, you know, its tongue's threatening to rip through its cheek, you know. Yeah. So uh, I think fair play, fair play, Tempty. It's a good video. Yeah. And he's also apart got, uh, from the beginning, got, obviously, he's got a T-shirt on saying "Pars R Us" as well in the sort of Toys R Us yeah, thing, yeah. which is very good. Yeah. So Tim Westwood. Hmm is in the video at the start now the disgraced bbc radio yes. one disc jockey tim westwood of the what's it called pimp the radio my ride one? fame yeah pimp my ride fame also was it called yeah. the radio one rap show or just the rap show on radio one for years and years and years tim westwood was um kind of sat on this seesaw between like hugely respected uh musical sort of tastemaker in the world of rap and hip-hop here in the uk uh and sort of foolish, <laughs> absolutely 
foolish mm. like idiot that um was a completely ludicrous man due to the way that he behaved despite the fact that he was you know he was sort of 47 and from norwich yeah uh, lowest off I'll have you know how dare okay, you but anyway, off, sorry, yeah. but anyway um, yeah I did find uh, just having a quick scan through Tim Westwood's Wikipedia page because I was thinking what, what like, I know he's uh, alleged to have done some very bad things possibly even proven to have done some bad things so I just thought I'll have a look make sure I don't put my foot in any of it I did see that there was an interview he did with the Guardian when he insisted that he was 27 years old even though he was 40 thought that yeah. was um interesting i think that maybe says a fair bit about his character yeah um uh probably also says a lot about his acting skills as we find <laughs> in the opening to this song um so the uh the video for this song opens with uh Tempety's in uh a mini mart scaled down supermarket fits mm-hmm. inside a petrol station you know mm-hmm. uh, and he gets a call over the tannoy in the public address system yeah, yeah. Yeah. um oh you can see i've thought about this one. I, I do <laughs> yeah go, i like to, it to go up to the manager's office and i really admire the fact that neither he nor tim westwood playing the manager of this establishment bothered to get any sort of costume they're just dressed as normal people which is fine um, no costume or lines it's definitely an no. improvisational thing because at yeah. one point tim westwood bangs the desk and something falls down behind him and hits him on yeah, the head and he, sort of goes, and he goes oh, <laughs> just, and oh I, god I'm definitely yeah. not supposed to have happened that that is definitely not supposed to have happened no i mean my favorite bit is um so when we find tim westwood he is, uh I, i've written down a fair bit of his uh script so to speak <laughs> um so he says so how much say you and your friends stage direction awkward nod yeah that could work what about extras yeah let me think about and then temper not he's, he's on the phone with a girl i think isn't he yeah uh, I, I believe he's propositioning some uh, ladies of the night i think he is yeah, possibly because he's, he's talking yeah. about inviting them to a hotel room mm-hmm. uh, he says come in uh, let me think about it we can make it happen and then he puts down what is clearly a landline that is um, not connected to any sort of receiver so that's quite good um <laughs> he then goes on to say i mean i don't think like i'm not a good actor i did a bit of amdram in my years uh, in my younger years, I should say. I'm not doing it now. I haven't got the fucking time. I don't think I can do justice to quite how bad his performance is. It is worse than Gordon Ramsay playing himself in Love's Kitchen. So he says, Temps man, your par game is weak, brother. I am so disappointed in your pars. I have tried so hard with you. It's a poor par performance every week. Now, at this point, I would like to say they use the word par quite a lot. And they miss the obvious line of, it's well under par. Yeah. But whatever, whatever. He says, when I was your age, I was pu- I'd was wake up in the morning before breakfast and pa my mum and my sister. And then there's, you know, a bit more dialogue where they kind of talk over each other quite a lot. He says, well, this I is talk- Temper T does just sort of goes like, nah, fuck off, man. Nah, fuck. He mean, yeah. And he's, he's sort of procrastinating, he's sort of like protesting, but not, you don't really know what he's protesting at exactly. No, because it hasn't got to the point where anything happens in the scene. Uh, but then there is some sort of garbled dialogue and then Tim Westwood says, I taught her how to par on her knees in an alley. That's a strong par. Um, <laughs> it really bad. Um, <laughs> and then I really, I really like the uh, triple repeated angle of Temper throwing everything off the desk while Westwood's going, your par game is weak. You're parred. It's really yeah. not very good. And then um, Temper <laughs> throws everything, including an old, an old school like thick computer. Um, yeah, and a globe. There's a globe on the desk, I think. 
for the world I mean, domination of this supermarket game, presumably. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of like the biggest monitor you've ever... It's like a 1980s computer yeah. monitor. And it just fucking throws it on the floor. And you see it three times. And I don't know if you saw, but there's one angle where you see Tim Westwood properly shit himself like because yeah. the first one you just sort of go he just sort of moves and he's obviously supposed to shit himself but i think that is the most convincing bit of acting therefore i don't think it's acting at all because tim westwood actually i think for a scared. second he thought he was going to get smashed in the face with a big um yeah the video is hilarious i mean the video yeah. is hilarious and i think when you listen to it without the video possibly you lose something because the video is so great it would be if i was doing my top 100 favorite music videos ever this would definitely be in it easily and i think it would be it would probably be in the top half as well because it's so good it's so it enjoyable good. it is very enjoyable i mean so uh i did listen to this song a couple of times without the video um you get some of the sort of comedic element because temper's um his performance is so over the top Aggie and it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like uh, if the bug uh, the music for it it's like if the bug had written absent rhythm on a Casio keyboard it's <laughs> really weedy and wiry but then he is so sort of muscular up the front so fair enough um, but yeah I mean the video brings a whole new dimension of <laughs> shit to it in a way yeah. I don't don't dislike the song I do think having Tim Westwood as your framing device Maybe not the smartest move, but hey, you know, star power back in 2009 or whatever. He wasn't Would just to like know. To... Well, no, he wasn't to know. It's fine. No, no, I don't even mean in terms of like yeah. Tim Westwood as the disgrace he is now. I just think he is so apocalyptically appalling in this. It's like maybe he should have at least done some selective editing on that one. Uh, I would just like to say, obviously, the word par comes up quite a lot, particularly in the the, the skit at the beginning of the video. It does. Um, now, I did think, I mean, naturally, the golf term. But I assume that wasn't too too once they were referring. No. So I went to Urban Dictionary. Uh, I have the Urban Dictionary definition of par. Don't worry, it's I've not. I've never rude. read this before, but go on. Okay, yeah. I, um, I will read it in my best. Um, well, in just my voice, which is just yeah. quite a normal white person's voice, isn't it? Okay. Uh, yeah. When something happens to you that is considered by many to be an extremely rude breach of social standard. This includes getting dissed, getting slapped, being swiftly rejected by a girl you've been making advances on, when someone or something causes unnecessary hardship, or even being ignored by your mum. In short, it is getting demoralised hard. So that's par. Mm, yeah, I mean, no wonder Temper T was so angry, angry about saying yeah. that. And he only had 10 pars that week. I mean, what I like is why there's a, 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 a whiteboard in the background and Tim West has been... <laughs> Counting pars and at one point, what's the guy's name? Barry or something. He's like, Barry's got like... 110 pars, temp. He's like, fuck Barry, Barry's a fucking idiot. He's yeah, <laughs> only so got good. 10 this week, mate. And he's always hitting the desk as well. Punching you know, it, hence why the very, thing behind him falls down. Yeah, very, very amateur good. dramatics way. I like I love the size of the whiteboard compared to the graph he's got on it as well, because it's just like the yeah. bottom right corner. Uh Temper T has not released anything since um it's bait it's bait in 2018. Which I think is a shame because he should be cleaning up. He's uh, one of the, the first sort of, I don't know, not one of the first breakthrough grime artists, but he was certainly, you know, like, uh, he was one of the, the early guys on the ground, I think. Um, and I don't know, like, he's not really done enough in terms of the amount of stuff he's done for him to properly be considered, like, you know, a, a, a serious part of you know, the, mm. the, the the lineage of, the important lineage of what Grime has become, I don't think. But he's good. 
I mean, you know, another one, Rari Workout with Lethal Lethal Bizzle featuring JME. That is a fucking banger. Like, he's got some big tunes. I don't know where he's gone. I mean, that was 2014. Apparently, that got to number 11 in the UK singles chart. Rari mm. Workout. Rari Workout. Right, we work it. I won't sing it. Fuck it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, so. Yeah, um, but it is good. Fun's that over good now. Fun's over. Um, but yeah, great tune. Great tune. I think for me that is a that is a cracking tune. Next hype by Temper T, um, which is what I've been Tabs. listening to. Temps. <laughs> it's so fucking obnoxious, but I I, I quite admire it. So. It really is. It really is. Um, let's uh, let's change tact. Very very quickly um mm. th- that's this is going to be one of the most sort of um incredibly strange uh sort of changes in tone that this podcast will probably ever go through but we have to really because this is incredibly this is this is super sad so low um mm. i'm assuming there will be no more low in the news that came out last week on the 5th of November, Mimi Parker uh, passed away. Now, um, I think um, people had known that she'd had cancer for a little while. I think that had been um, sort of made public at some point, um, at least earlier, earlier this year, I believe, or kind of towards the end of last year. And, um, uh, the official Twitter account on the 6th of November said, friends, it's hard to put in, put the universe into language um, and into a short message, but she passed away last night surrounded by family and love, including yours. Keep her name close and sacred. Share this moment with someone who needs you. Love is the most important thing. Announcing that, um, that Mimi Parker had passed away, which um, for me is, you know, really... Uh, really sad as someone who has you know only discovered low really with the release of hey what the album that came out last year which is in my top 20 albums of the year which is a fantastically phenomenal brilliant moving spectacular record spectacular record and it gets better every time i listen to it i think it was in the top the, the sort of lower echelons of my top 20 last year and it came out mm. um you know i think it came out kind of september october time last yeah. year so it was kind of late in the day that that i got it um i think it would be a lot higher now were it to have come out in you know kind of april may time it's a it's a brilliant record and Mimi parker's uh contribution to that record and to everything that low have ever done you know been in mm. this band since 1993 um and they have you know now i've kind of gone back and listened to not everything they've ever done i'm not going to sit here and say that i've listened to every single thing that i've ever done but um the things i have listened to i think are, are brilliant and and her contribution to you know such an odd unique beautiful introspective but yet kind of weirdly broad and introspective band um it's really sad this it's really really sad it's i suppose i don't know whether or not we should be shocked but i did feel kind of shocked i did have to kind of read it twice because mm. i think you kind of hope that that's not going to happen you know but it has. yeah um, yeah. yeah absolutely i mean um i 
I was uh, shocked as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I sort of, um, I, I well, I've discovered that uh, Mimi Parker had revealed that she had uh, ovarian cancer early. I, I believe it was the very beginning of this year. In an interview, she um, said that she, you know, uh, was fighting ovarian cancer. She'd been diagnosed with it in 2020, so it wasn't, you know, it was uh, <laughs> a long time she was um, suffering with it. I too only got into low in the last, uh, I mean, yeah, it's probably been about 12 months. It was when Ash came on to, uh, mm. Ash from Sugar Horse came on to an episode of Riot Act, brought in Hey What, uh, and naturally I listened to it and I was absolutely mesmerized, absolutely blown away. I mean, the things they were doing in terms of production techniques and manipulation of the sounds they were using, I'd never heard anything quite like it. Um, for me, it ended up being... Uh, my third favorite album of the year um i thought it was absolutely staggeringly brilliant and so so unique and so beautifully put together and i think for me the thing that really attracted me to low is beyond all the sort of ability and kind of yeah technological manipulation and things they were doing with various pedal boards and production techniques and things like that was the palpable relationship between mimi parker and alan sparhook uh, Sparhawk, her her husband and well, uh, co-founding member of the band. Uh, the way their voices play against each other, like when you get to the crescendo of White Horses, the first song on the end of Hey What, it's just yeah, uh, oh, it, it completely enveloping, all-encompassing. It's just so there's so much joy and melancholy, everything all at once. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. Um. I probably haven't listened to as much low as you have. I've been slowly working my way through the back catalogue. Um, but seeing the, you know, I kind of have a knowledge broadly of their career and their sort of trajectory and stuff like that. And the fact they were so influential in kind of underground American indie and, you know, accidentally coining the term slow core or sort of inventing slow core, you know, which they definitely tried to distance themselves from. Uh, or they certainly didn't like the term being attributed to them. You look at the people that, I mean, the people I've seen give, paying tribute to her, the members of Sugar Horse, of course, then Aidan Moffat from Arab Strap, uh, Stuart Braithwaite from Mogwai, Mike Venar, um, so many, so many incredible musicians who've been touched by the work that uh, Mimi and Alan had done, the music they'd created together. Um, it's really sad, man. I'm really, really, <laughs> really upset for a band that I've known for so little. They've had such a profound effect on my listening habits um yeah i could only send send my condolences to all the people who've been low fans for even longer who have an even greater connection with them and of course to alan sparhawk and the rest of their family um the, the surviving members of sparhawk and parker's family so. yeah i should say i mean that's the other thing um regarding this isn't it i mean i, I can't imagine how uh i mean it's one thing for your band to split up for something like this as I imagine, I would very. I, I, it must. It would be an incredibly difficult thing for Alan Sparhawk to now go on and go. Yeah, I am going to continue this band without this person who's a founding member alongside myself, who's been with me throughout this whole time. Particularly when that person is also your kind of closest, dearest yeah. friend and wife of, you know, decades. I, I think that's. Mm. Um, that's why I said, you know, uh, I don't think I think that will will ha will, will have to will, will have to be, but like, I think that 
will be the end of the band due to you know that that those circumstances and i think mm. that's uh i think that's right and i think you know it's a uh, a 29 year career and it's inc- you know it's an incredible career for them to have had throughout this time um feels really cruel for that to happen to anyone under any circumstances ever you know mm-hmm. but in these circumstances and i guess particularly to be slightly selfish for you and i for a second for it to come at a time when <clears throat> you're looking at uh a band that we've only just sort of really discovered yeah um yeah that that's uh I feel like it's. I feel like I'm sort of cheapening it by going. Oh, that's a double kicker for people like you. And I mean, you know, it's not really like it's kind of irrelevant. But I am now like, oh shit! I've just discovered this band, and you know, one of the founding members has passed away. And mm. um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's very sad. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, that's kind of by the by. I mean, obviously, you know whatever <laughs> whenever you discover this band or however you feel about them i think if you're a fan you're going to be gutted about this because yeah yeah they've got an incredible legacy um and an incredible back catalog so r.i.p to mimi parker and also you know we should say um i fear that um we may soon be having a similar conversation regarding Andy Taylor from Giant Giraffe. Mm. So Andy Taylor um, has come out and said that he's in stage four of metastatic prostate cancer, which um, is terminal. Uh, Andy Taylor is the original guitarist in Duran Duran. Um, Left the band in 2004. Uh, They were going to reunite the original lineup for the rock and roll hall of fame um uh ceremony um yeah for their induction yeah um but you know he's not been able to do that um so again this is this is really sad again i mean you know i think uh that kind of i saw duran duran this year and and it's not the original lineup, but you know, I think it's uh, it's as close as. I mean, Andy Taylor is the is the one member where you sort of think would be good if if it was him on guitar mm. still. But you know, um, you, you kind of I guess at this point with a band of of that age, you take what you can get. But then you do always think would be really really nice to see the kind of original reunited the classic lineup of that band. But it looks like. Um, uh, that isn't going to happen. I mean, he says, although my current condition is not immediately life-threatening, there is no cure. Um, so, you know, he's he says he's having some very sophisticated life-extending treatment um, and it was only until a week ago that he suffered a setback. Uh, you know, it's a fucking horrible, shitty disease. We've got two kind of stories regarding people suffering from cancer at the moment. And I know, you know, that it's... Uh, it becomes sort of um it has become something which people can live with for longer and you know people are kind of getting over more we had we had like mark hoppus was kind mm-hmm. of cancer free recently i think um you know uh dave mustaine um as well was another person who's come so that that is really good and that is really encouraging but it still just goes to show like it's uh such a kind of prevalent nasty condition so um 
I want to, yeah, all all kind of power to um to Andy Taylor and, I mean, I don't want to say get well, you know, let's hope he gets well soon because it seems like that's maybe not a, an option. But mm. uh, I just hope that he um he's okay, as okay as he can be. Yeah, I think yeah, just best wishes with him uh yeah and his family and his former van mates in what i can only imagine is an absolutely horrific time in their lives um i hope that he's able to how, however long he stays with us i hope he's able to <laughs> have some incredibly incredibly happy final final you know days years weeks however long it's going to be yeah. um and i think for you know I've I've spent a lot of this year kind of considering mortality. I mean, particularly in the wake of COVID, you know, it's something that I think on a, well, on a global scale, so many people who perhaps hadn't really ever been forced to, to really think about it. I think it's really become, it's really come to a head. Um, and I've lost a few people this year. Um, and now, you know, seeing these musicians, uh, well, certainly, you know, Mimi Parker pass away, musician I've you know only been listening to for a year. Andy Taylor, you know, I'm not the biggest Duran Duran fan, but I do absolutely love what I know of them. And I think their influence spread so far across British popular culture, let alone pop music generally. And I think it's just, <laughs> gosh, that's so trite, but it's just try and enjoy the things you can while they're here to the fullest. And, you know, certainly go in those bands that make you so happy and inspire you so much. Just go and support them while you can, because you never know. You never know. And uh, it's, yeah really sad for someone like you as a massive Duran Duran fan that you won't see that original lineup. Mm. I I missed my chance to see Low <laughs> earlier this year. They were doing a UK tour and I just completely missed it. It's um yeah. Quite sobering sobering. It is, news, isn't it? Yeah, so. it is. I mean I know we sort of say this every time we go through these in you know, these things we say, you know, it's um it's horrible and we're gonna do this more and more and more. And you know, obviously the longer that this goes on, the more you know, the kind of the artists that we talk about that have such big things in done so much in popular culture and are so big in the music that you and I care about, you know, from years and years and years. Um so I guess it, I'd say every time it's gonna happen more and more and more and it's never mm. gonna get any easier. So, um <clears throat> yeah uh there's that uh let's talk about a couple of festival announcements first of all download 2023 or download 20 as they're calling it the four night special edition of download the 11th uh sorry the 8th to the 11th of june 2023 announced like 60 bands yep something like that over the course of their four days we should go through all of them let's start with the headliners friday will be headlined by Bring Me Their Eyes and... Who? Who? Not even a metal band. <laughs> oh, not bring even me, a metal band. Bring Me Their Hairspray. Uh. Yeah. Um, Thursday and Saturday. So Thursday, and then bring, we're getting Metallica, Bring Me Their Eyes and, and then Metallica again. Two mm. unique sets. No songs repeated, apparently. So it says there. What a and, cop out getting the biggest metal band in the world to headline a metal festival. Uh. Boo. Oh and then Boo. Sunday... Down with this sort of thing. Slipknot. Go on, do your little yeah, sparky bit. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so uh, before we get into the other bands, let's just talk about those three headliners. I'm going to say it uh, before we get into it. I'm glad Slipknot are on a Sunday because they're probably the thing that I am least interested in. I do tend to go yep. home uh, early, even though I think, you know, they have big, you know, they're the band that have headlined download the most now at this point. Are they? Have they headlined more than Maiden? Uh, uh, yeah. With this year included? Oh, fair enough. 
I think so, yeah. Um, mm. I don't have any maths on that. I'm just doing that as I, I did. So don't... Hold on, is that even true? So Maiden of the... 9, Lord, 13, 15, 19, 23. I can't remember five. which one's Maiden of Dunn, but yeah, it probably it's certainly close. You know, it'll be like one either Nine, way 50, to each they band, did, so. They did... Um, 9, 13, 15, 19, 23. So that's five, isn't it? 9, did 13, they not 15, do, 19, did they not do 12? No, 12 was Prodigy, Metallica, yeah, right. Sabbath. It was the last time Metallica okay. played it as well. So anyway, yes, but you're, you're quite right. Apologies for that. Okay, yeah, That's so right. I suppose maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe they may have done it more than them. Uh... I should have checked, really, shouldn't I? But that's not what this show's about, Sam, accurately. <laughs> I think it's probably... I, they might be drawing. I'm trying to sort of go into the annals of my mind and think about Maiden's time. Well, so definitely the, three. The first one. And yeah, then they, they definitely did, did 2003. And then uh, 2013, definitely, because I was there. Yeah. That was my they first full weekend of download. They must have done one in between that. They must have done, yeah. But yeah, I, they did I'm like struggling to think. Six or so? They didn't do 2006. That was Guns N' Roses, wasn't it? And Metallica and Tool. Yeah. yeah. I did this that would have been a good weekend. So it was either 2000 and f- was 2005? Yeah, that was Sabbath, Maybe. Who cares? Ooh, anyway, gosh, it doesn't I don't matter. know. Doesn't matter. Bring back Feeder. If you want a proper headliner, bring back Feeder. If you want feeder. a proper headliner, do, do bring back Feeder. Um, mm, so anyway, Slip, Slipknot have headlined it a lot, right? And they've got a new mm. album out. Makes sense that they'll be doing it. Don't think anyone could be too pissed off about Slipknot. I mean, I suppose, yeah, they did it in 2019. It's four years. It's fine to have Slipknot like all the time. I think they are like the biggest metal band of the 21st century. Um, mm. So yeah, fine, whatever. Metallica Thursday and Saturday and Bring Me on the Friday are the talking points, really, aren't they? Let's mm-hmm. let's be honest. First of all, Bring Me the Horizon. Right, Bring Me the Horizon should have headlined this festival fucking years ago. Years yeah, I mean- ago. Surely, surely, at the latest, it should have been 2015. Like, given time to finish the Sempaternal run when they're playing Wembley and stuff like that, mm-hmm. surely that would have been the time. And then seven years after that, oh well, no, it'd be eight years next year. They're finally getting a crack of the whip. Um, for for the record, I mean, I, you know, I very recently become a Bring Me the Rising convert, as in well, about eight days prior to you hearing this episode. I think it's uh, absolutely fucking brilliant. I think they make so much sense there. They are a really big heavy band whether you think they're metal or not anymore they still do rocky songs and you know they did that post-human survival horror which had uh dear diary and bloody kingslayer on it like that's yeah. kind of quite thrashy you know kind of core metal you know, metal core i suppose uh and then you've got kingslayer which is massive power metal song with baby metal it's like oh just shut up just enjoy it just enjoy it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, you know, they're obviously going to bring out some of the... I don't. They're not going to bring out Ed Sheeran, are they? They're going to go for the heavy songs. I wouldn't be surprised to hear Bring Me The Horizon pulling out, like... Uh, you Danny Filth will come out, won't he? Yeah, Danny Filth. Sure, they'll probably they? bring some, um, you know, the old songs from the... We're just going to do the old songs. They're going to get, like, Suicide Season stuff coming out. I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that. I mean, the, you know, the, the logo they're using on the poster is like the old death metal kind of deathcore logo, right? So to mm. me, that indicates that they are at least aware that they're like, well, look, you know, we're playing download, playing a metal festival, we're headlining it for the first time. I, I don't see them doing what they do did at Reading and bringing out like the acoustic guitars towards the end of the set and stuff. I mean, and if they did, I mean, who fucking cares? Like, it's, they, they've got enough heavy songs to like you know some of those yeah. songs are, are, are decent that i spoke about bring me on the sempaternal special and you know you if you've heard that you'll know our thoughts on them in general but i think this is a booking which makes total sense 
they mm-hmm. are part of they have they have definitely straddled the um the 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 pop world absolutely no doubt and they've become part of that world but ultimately they're still a rock band you know they're a guitar band they're a rock band they got like they, their roots are in metal and in heavy music they should have been headlined this festival fucking ages ago mm-hmm. they're they're downloader lucky to have bring me the horizon i think yeah I yeah think at, the, at this point yeah because bring me the horizon could have turned around and gone nope we're not going to do it anymore like you everyone treats us like shit you should have given us this opportunity ages ago fuck you and turned their back and did like we're going to go and do our own show or whatever and they've not done that so um i think downloader lucky to have bring me the horizon personally and thursday and saturday metallica two unique sets no songs repeated i mean metallica recently did that tribute show for johnny Z. am not gonna say Z. Mm-hmm. johnny Z um from megaforce records and did you know only stuff from the first couple of records 2023 will be you know the the the, the 40th anniversary of their debut album kill em all i would expect to get some kind of monster no uh some kind well, it, of it will be 20 years of saint anger it will so, be 20 you know. years of saint anger yeah yeah i expect them to do saint anger in full um, mate if they did I, I mean it would just be me and my mate harry davis we'd have the fucking best time do it metallica you cowards don't do it metallica you're far too sensible to do that i mean look you know mm. can like I, I think they probably will play a set of like the 80s thrash classics i think they probably will do that can lars do that these days who knows i guess it'll be funny to see won't it but like you know they're the biggest metal band in the history of metal bands mm-hmm. people who are moaning and going why have four days if you're only still only gonna have three headliners like i get it it is a bit it is a bit like it is a bit weird but i think metallica are kind of planning on doing this for a bit i mean you know metal bands not well, not even metal bands. I'm gonna say more like sort of massive massive bands have this thing where they go, "We're gonna do this thing, and what are you gonna do to stop it? You can't mm. stop us." Like, do you know what I mean? And so you know, you've got two days of Metallica. Um, I think that's an expensive set of headliners. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, uh, I remember. I remember when Guns N' Roses headlined in 2018, you know, the the mostly reformed, not in this lifetime tour version of Guns N' Roses, um, and seeing reports after the fact of uh, allegedly they'd been paid something like three times the sort of average going rate for a headliner. And the figure was somewhere between five and a half and six million pounds. So if we take it to be that the average headliner is getting paid, let's say two million for argument's sake, I mean, that's eight million minimum for four nights of headlining bands at download and i can't imagine metallica are going to turn around and go we we're no we're happy with less than guns and roses got across our two performances so yeah, yeah. it's not gonna be cheap is it yeah i mean i think when you look at some of the smaller bands towards the the bottom half of the rest of the thing it would suggest to me that um that metallica are quite expensive if you're going to book them mm. twice over the course of a weekend but you know here we are that's what they're doing um they're the biggest metal band ever you, you can some people are delighted and think that they're the only good band playing and some people are furious that you know um you know partway drive haven't been given the headline oh. slot but i think like parkway drive as much as i love them um and i particularly love them live on a headliners alongside bring me metallica and slipknot i think they're clearly not as big as those bands that's with no shade to them as a band at all but mm. they are not as big as those three bands those bands are 
considerably bigger than them. So I think like it, you're setting some. I think if you were to go up against, if you had a if you had somebody else playing that fourth day, mm. I mean maybe you could have done it with you know part. Yeah, play. see, I, I was going to say. I mean, to be honest, um, so obviously one of the arguments with uh downloading new headliners is, you know, if you don't put new bands out there how are they going to get to the point where they are big enough to routinely headline and it's like well there is the give and take of you can't have like three new headliners of yeah ghost parkway architects level whatever you know bands who are doing arenas but kind of just getting into kind of consistent arena cycles i do get that but i don't know i think you know when you've got metallica i mean that's basically already guaranteed a fair bit of your attendance hasn't it and mm-hmm. then you've got slipknot alongside it yeah bring me i think are going to be a bit of a controversial choice but they'll pull a big fucking crowd of i they think will. they could they could have definitely definitely gone for a smaller band um to, <coughs> to headline the main stage for the opening day it could have been parkway it could have been ghost maybe could have been architects i do understand well, no, why I, they've I, not the architects done it, though, are opening an, uh, an arena i'm going to see biffy supported by architects on um on saturday so it couldn't have been architects no it couldn't have been but i mean they you know they did do wembley and whatnot on their uh holy hell cycle but yeah i suppose maybe yeah trying to find the, trying to find a new audience to but anyway yeah um but yeah it could have been parkway or ghost or whatever i think um for the 20th anniversary of download though i mean surely surely you want to put on something special and metallica doing two unique sets is going to be something different there will be mm-hmm. deep cuts and they'll you know they'll say in advance i mean maybe they'll do it like maybe they'll take a leaf out of godflesh's book like they so often should where they'll do <laughs> an old set and then a new set so they'll, they'll maybe do one set that is just the first four albums and then everything else will be black album post because that way you know the people who are going to like moan that. about them cutting their haircuts don't have to hear too much from load and reload and St. anger and i'm not really bothered about hearing anything from the last two but you know if they bill it like that absolutely fine people know what they're getting also, I mean, just thinking in terms of, well, just <laughs> economic terms, it's like Metallica could make more money doing one of their own stadium shows in the UK. So if they're going to headline download, it's either got to be really, really expensive, so they have to add that second day, or they say we do two shows and get paid for both of them, meaning you st- you've still got to have that second day. Metallica are expensive. That's probably why they're there twice, because it guarantees attendance. It's probably going to drive up weekend sales, because I would imagine they will have worked it out so that it's... For those Metallica separate days, I would imagine the day tickets, it won't be astronomically more to go for a weekend ticket. I would imagine that is yeah. part of what they're banking on. And that I don't think that's a cynical move. I think that is, you know, download just acting as a business. And, you know, they're putting up four, well, three strong headliners across four nights. I, I'm, I am going to go to download for the weekend for the first time since 2018 next year. Mm. Because wow. I'm I'm really impressed by the lineup. Like I don't think it's massively exciting as we'll get to through the rest of the bands, but I think I think it's a strong lineup. Yeah, I mean, you know, that is a good set of, set of, set of headliners. There's no getting away from it. Mm. it. It definitely is. Um, let's talk about the bands who have the uh, like logo on there as well. So I guess he's the kind yeah. of second stage headliners, sub headliners, third down, all those sort of things. They appear to be put in. Uh, alphabetical order so i don't know whereabouts they're playing on the bill and what stage they're playing on but so far confirmed are alex on fire architects the distillers disturbed evanescence ghost i prevail parkway drive pendulum placebo simple plan Vilavalo, and within temptation uh sam anything <laughs> there that you want to chat out or mention or anything uh... 
there's quite a few there I would be very keen to see. Uh, I think it's fair to say it is a mixed bag, let's be honest. Um, but, I don't know, I mean, Alexis, I, I'm not a huge Alexis fan. I've not listened to loads of them, but I know that people absolutely love them. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've heard they generally put on a consistently good show, so fine. Uh, Architects, I'll be keen to see because I'm not going to this Biffy Clyro run. And I'll be interested to see how this new material goes down because surely they're going to be main stage because the last time they played it in 2013 they were opening the main stage so you'd think mm. maybe third down maybe maybe sort of halfway no no they can't be halfway through the day i think they've got to be fairly high main or headlining second but yeah be cool to see that distillers i'd be really keen to see as well yeah um yeah then ugh, disturbed uh i mean i would put them in the same bracket as red hot chili peppers for yeah unbearably dreadful bands yep, so me too give that give Frightened. that a miss give that a mm-hmm. miss yeah awful uh evanescence i don't hate evanescence i just find them pretty bland um okay. so yeah give that one a miss ghost ghost to be brilliant mm-hmm. absolutely love ghost they've got enough bangers to fill a well i mean because they're not headlining how long would they get maybe 70 minute set or whatever they're gonna absolutely walk that yeah like They'll be fine. They'll be absolutely fine. Get them subbing Metallica one day. It will be I like Twickenwood all over again when they absolutely held their own. It's got to be. It's got to be subbing Metallica, isn't it? Ghost. Got to. Got to be. be. Surely. Surely. I, mean, I can't see. Bring me <laughs> having them opening for them. No. I can't really see Slipknot doing it. So yeah, Ghost have got to be under Metallica. I would imagine they'd be under Metallica on. Assuming we do get a two split days where it's like old Metallica and then newer Metallica. They'd be on the old Metallica day, presumably. Mm. Although, actually, I mean, if they're doing a, a set that leads into Metallica's more melodic era, maybe they'd fit in there. But yeah, anyway, great. Uh, I Prevail can absolutely do one. Um, yeah. Parkway. No, oh, mate. Parkway would be amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. I fucking love them. Fucking love them. Um, can't wait to see the new material, given that I unfortunately had to miss the date that I've had tickets for for the best part of three years now. But whatever, whatever. Um, Bring me Parkway Architects on the main stage on the Friday. Boom, boom, boom. That, sh- that, that surely makes sense. That was that tour, wasn't it? I mean, we have to find the Devil Wears Prada from somewhere. But that was that <laughs> tour, wasn't it, that we were talking about in our special from 2011? It was that tour. However, I think it might be Bring Me Architects Pendulum. Because I think Parkway have gone more into a kind of classic metal mold. I wonder if Parkway might sub Slipknot or maybe the other Metallica day. Because I think Pendulum would make more sense leading into that more kind of electronic heaviness that yeah. Architects are embracing and certainly Bring Me have been doing for the yeah, best true. part of the last decade, to be honest. Um, I'd, be, I'd really like to see Pendulum. I've seen them once before. And... <laughs> If you think them sort of subbing Architects and Bring Me's weird, I saw them subbing Iron Maiden at Sonosphere in 2010. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. But they, they were good. They were good that day, as I recall. Yeah, uh, yeah really good. Placebo would be awesome because I missed all of their set queuing for one beer at My Chemical Romance earlier. So fine. That's uh, got plan... second stage headliner written all over, hasn't it, Placebo? Would have thought so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... Yeah, I can't see them settling for kind of middle of the day on the main stage. So, yeah, it's got to be high up on second stage, presumably probably headlining. Uh, Simple plan can fuck right off. I hope that the stage collapses during their set. Uh, Vilvalo, um, I've never had loads of love for him. I don't dislike them, but I've never got into them. We'll see. He could be all right. Um, And then with him, Temptation, I think our dollars dishwater. Yeah, I mean, I kind of broadly agree with most of the stuff you're saying there. I mean, you know, Ghost as a sub for Metallica on one of the days looks nailed on. And the other sub for Metallica don't appear to be here, I would say. Ooh. Do you know who I mean? You must know who I mean. Uh, I 
don't know if I do. Are you allowed to say? Or well, is no, this, this is information this, you're privy to? Or no, this is not information I'm privy to. But it just seems so fucking obvious that it's Pantera. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Although I, I do wonder. Like I was talking to some mates, and I was saying, I mean, surely Pantera are going to be a download, and they're all saying, well, might end up just headlining Bloodstock. So we'll see. I've I've heard the Pantera are incredibly expensive, incredibly expensive. So I cannot, <laughs> um, for the life of me, believe that they are. I mean, look, Bloodstock is, you know, it's already expensive. This download, I, I, they're surely not going to. I don't think they're going to headline Bloodstock. I don't see it. I mean, I I see them doing download as well because, it, yeah, bigger audience, bigger paycheck. Um, I'm kind of surprised they're not on the first wave because they're on quite a few yeah. not fests around the yeah, year. Wow, well, so, this is, and, this is I, a surprising I, thing. I think I would have thought Slipknot sub for them rather than metallica to be honest but i mean we'll yeah, see maybe. yeah we'll see one or the other i mean i would imagine it's going to be the, the pantera thing who knows but um as for the rest of it um you know there's some small bands here like you know there's some bands mm. who aren't massive who don't normally get announced this early on but you know here we are as december falls don't know them asking alexandria no Boo. um aviva uh, <laughs> should we do the insurance joke again yeah probably i mean just, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah but do your own joke with that if you like guys bambi thug <laughs> don't know who that is beauty school dropout yeah. don't know who that is behemoth i mean yep fine uh that'd be, that'd right. be, that'd be good black gold don't know who that is the fucking the blackout of reformed your great great that's great blind <laughs> channel don't know who that is bloody woods i've seen them they're right brutus yeah. i mean brutus are a good band but you know, I'm, I'm very happy with Brutus being there, but I reckon they're going to be relegated to maybe high up on the fourth stage or middle of the day third stage, surely. I, I, I wouldn't even expect them to be that high up on the fourth stage, to be honest. I'd expect them to be well, yeah, know, I suppose, kind of yeah, two in not the afternoon big, on the fourth stage, really. Uh, mm. Crash Face, don't know who that is. Crawlers, uh, I've heard of them, but don't know much about them. The Dead Sara. Alvana have managed to fucking oh, weasel fuck. their pathetic oh, flabby assholes back onto this um, <laughs> festival. Fuck off. Enola Gay, don't know who that is. Fever 333. Uh, Just the one now. even have so. a band at the moment. Fixation, I don't know who that is. Graphic Nature, I have heard them. Okay, Gua, I mean, that will be a laugh live on it. Hawks with two X's. Is that a, a band version of the Tom Clancy play, game about planes? Possibly, possibly. Yeah. I think it definitely is. Ingested, something a bit heavy there. Jasmine Bean, don't know who that is. Kid Bookie, saw him supporting um, someone. Uh, can't remember who it was now. Kid Capici, <laughs> it's all right. Lake yep. Malice, uh, don't know who that is. Lorna mm. Shaw, quite big. I mean, that's one of the ones you'd go, oh, nice. The Meths, fuck knows. Mod Sun. Don't know. Monuments, they're still a band, are they? Motionless in going. white. Boo. They... Motionless in shite, more like. Good, oh. yeah. done, municipal, the, done the joke. Municipal waste. I mean, they're all right, but fine. Nothing yeah. nowhere. I, I don't think that's going to take off over here for them. Nova Twins. Nova Twins actually quite, but you know, they were nominated for a Mercury Prize, so that's quite a big booking for one of the lower ones. Mm -hmm. Polaris. Um, I've seen a few people get quite excited about them, but I've not listened to them yet. Fine. Pupil Slicer. That's great. Pupil Slicer. Mm, we'll not see. A not a big band, but obviously a good band. Seether, uh, rubbish. Ugh. Set it off, rubbish. Sim, don't know who that is. Soen, that's the band you sound like tall. Soul right. Glow, probably the band I'm most excited about out of everyone who's been announced, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, yeah, probably, yeah. Stand Atlantic, 
but again, not a big band at all. Stand Atlantic, don't know that is. Straight from the path, yeah, they're fine. Taylor Acorn, I don't know that is. Terror, I mean, your I, favourites. I get to review them again Terror every fucking time they ever come to this country. I watch Terror. Three Days Grace, uh, awful. Touche and more, that's brilliant. That'd be Good great to see them. I mean, no one will yep. watch them. Obviously, no, they'll be but, on the fourth stage at like three in the afternoon and yeah. there'll be three people there, but they'll yep. be really fucking good. But they'll so. be really good. And Witch Fever, who a lot of people are going on about. Um, uh, no. Yeah, you know, like this is this is a, this is a download lineup, isn't it? That's what it is. This is a download yes. lineup. It looks like a download lineup and it is a download lineup. Um, I think there's a couple of things on it that are cool. Uh, but, if I, you know, I, everything, I, there's nothing here that I haven't seen. Do you know what I mean? There's literally not a single band here who I haven't seen before. So it's quite hard for me to get really like, oh my God, I've never seen this. But then I guess mm. that's what happens when you go to the same festival every year for since 2009. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, for someone like me, there there is enough there that, um, well, I mean, to be fair, the only bands that I really want to see... Oh, no, no, no. There's two bands I want to see who I haven't seen, which is Bring Me In The Distillers. Um... I'm I'm impressed enough that I am almost certainly going to be there for the whole weekend. Like I'm 99% certain I'm going to do the full weekend. Is it exciting? No, but then like frankly it's download unless they have a drastic kind of downsizing of their, you know, attendance or whatever so that they have these sort of smaller bands get into the headlining status. This is basically kind of in the upper echelons of what you're going to get for download. I think this is a decent enough bill. I'm happy with it. I'll be curious to see who else gets added. And actually one of my favourite downloads for lineups was 2018 when they spent way too money, uh, too much money on Guns N' Roses. So they did get these kind of smaller, exciting bands and some of them ended up getting into weird positions and bills and getting way higher than they would mm. in a normal year. So I'll, I'll, I'll see. We'll see. Maybe Soul Glow for main stage. Hashtag. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Oh, that wouldn't really work, that type of music on the stage. But anyway, fine. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, another, um, the, the people who brought you When We Were Young Festival are doing another thing at the <laughs> Las Vegas Festival Grounds on Saturday the 13th of May, 2003. It's like a sort of new metal version of the, um, the, the, the sort of emo one the, that they did that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's funny how no one's gone, oh, I can't believe they put this bill together because all these bands tend to play with each other anyway, really, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah. but it is, if you are sort of my age, uh, this is a really good lineup, I think, um, for nostalgic feels. System yes. of a Down, Corn, Deftones, Incubus, Evanescence, Turnstile. Look at them rocking up. Lovely. High Lovely. On the bill. Chevelle, Sisters of Mercy, Papa Roach, Death Grips, Flyleaf with Lacey Sturm. Oh my God, Flyleaf are back together with Lacey <laughs> Surely Sturm. Surely not. Where were you when you heard that news? It'd be like this sort of <laughs> our generation's <laughs> version of when JFK got Berlin shot, Wall. It? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bungle, Villavalo. There's a lot of people who we've we've already kind of spoken to and about here. Placebo, 100 Gex. 100 Gex and Turnstile on this lineup is really weird, but fine. Ministry, mm. Skinny Puppy, She Wants Revenge, Cold Chamber. KMFDM and Killing Joke next to Spirit Box and Kitty. That is a, an odd four. That are like <laughs> what in a, a line strange there. dinner party. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Uh, Soulflow, POD, Seven Dust, Huberstank, Alien Ant Farm. That's more like it. Uh, London <laughs> After Midnight. I don't even know who that is. Fever 333 again. Health, Horror, Prayers. There's someone else there. Oh, Machine Girl. Uh, Filter, Lacuna Coil, Melvin's Failure and Stabbing Westward. Lacuna Coil sticking out like a bit of a sore thumb on, yeah, thumb on that yeah, one there. Yeah. Uh, cold Cradle of Filth Body Count The Birthday Massacre and the 69 Eyes Orgy Monster Magnet My Life with a Thrill Kill Cult Loathe 
down there. Mm. So I'm having a lovely time. Um, and then Panchico, Scene Queen. There she is. I told you. Your favourite. Yeah. yeah. Super Heaven, Fiddlehead, Narrowhead and Scowl. Seeing kind of Narrowhead and Super Heaven and some of the bands like that on here. Like, because it's a new metal festival. And it's like, yeah, but Narrowhead and Cradle of Filth. And Killing and the, Joke. And the Melvins. <laughs> like, and 100 Gex. Not quite the new metal festival in the same vein as the emo one was. But I think, like, overall, that is a really weirdly cool line. Like, I... I would go to that to see Death Grips mm. and Turnstile and Mr. Bungle and Deftones in the same week. Lovely stuff. And to be able to just kind and of wander, wander over and see Seven Dust and, you know, <laughs> stat, st- are Static X even on? Static? Okay. I don't think they are. How are static, static X are like, who was it? When, all the, when they, um, uh, that last um, When We Were Young Festival got announced and a few of the emo bands that weren't on it were like tweeting going, um, <laughs> did we do something? Like, what the fuck? Uh, static yeah. X must be like, what come on because they're not on they're really not edsel Edsel dopes in the band these days i mean the creme de la creme of kind of industrial new metal yeah i'm fucking the union underground and american head charge are kicking off it'd be like like, what you invited cradle of filth and lacuna coil they're not even part of this (laughs) kmfdm were never part of this what's buzz osborne doing there we should have his place get rid of him what a failure there failure like oh we really love you know, Pink Floyd and David Bowie. And they're like, yeah, yeah, come come to the new metal festival, get, lads. Get your wallet chain on and your jinkos. <laughs> be brilliant. They'll be playing Deftones Day. So I thought that was a, an interesting festival. Um, a couple of other things before we talk about the the, the the main thing that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, Robert Smith and Paul Weller. Yeah. Not Paul Waller from Oms. <laughs> As I said. Not Paul from, from Oms who uh, we, we, you know, have had on Riot Act before when it was Riot Act. Um, he, he hasn't said this, but The Cure's Robert Smith got called a fat cunt by Paul Weller. Mm. Paul Weller called him a fat cunt in Record Collector magazine um, when somebody interviewing him said that one of the new songs on an upcoming Noel Gallagher album sounds, a uh, song on the new Noel Gallagher album sounds like the song A Forest by The Cure, which is a great song. Mm. And um, the the observation was met with a mixture of incredulity and revulsion. Paul Weller said, really? I can't fucking stand them. Fucking fat cunt with his lipstick and all that bollocks. He's my age as well, isn't he? He's a fucking knobend. I don't like him. There you go. There's someone I wouldn't work with. I'd fucking slap him or something. Ooh, you're hard. You're hard, Paul Weller. Uh, (laughs) Look, I like the jam. Yeah, I like the Style Council. I like the first few Paul Weller solo albums. I've got no beef with Paul Weller. His last album was boring, incredibly boring. In fact, his last couple of albums have been incredibly boring. Um, but I sat next to him in a restaurant in February. Uh, he just sort of came and sat on the table next to me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, I mean, I have a girlfriend. We're both were a little bit like fucking Paul Weller. And I do remember at the time thinking, he looks a little bit like Deirdre Rashid. Do you know what I mean? It's a like Deirdre Barlow, <laughs> right? He's got a nan haircut. He's got a blue yeah. rinse. He's got a fake tan. Definitely, definitely got a fake tan. And yeah, he just looks like a sort of 60-year-old woman. So I don't think he can really be taking pot shots about how people look. Not with that haircut. 
No. Come on, mate. Not with that haircut. I mean, look. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if you're the mod father and you're wearing, you know, pretty green suits and, you know, winkle pickers, then, yeah, you're probably not going to look at Robert Smith and go, there's a style icon for me. But don't slag off The Cure's music, you wanker. No. Like, come on, mate. Don't slag off no. The Cure's music. Too much. I am 100% on Team Robert Smith in this case. And I like Paul Weller, right? So I can't imagine what most people with much better taste than me are thinking about this. They must be livid. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll drop Ash from Sugar Horse a message. I bet he's prepping the guillotine right now. Going around, going around to the salon to take, take him out. Yeah, just a little off the top. For, yeah. for Paul Weller. <laughs> oh, 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 very good. Oh, 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 thank you. Yeah, so um, completely ridiculous, like attack on a great man. And uh, you know, mm. I just wanted to flag up. Shouldn't be doing that. Should not be doing that. Um, uh, last thing I want to talk about, Sam. Matty Healy watch. <laughs> oh god! I tell you what. Just before this, can I just go and turn my light on? Because I yeah, like Sam's in the I dark. Look like Pazuzu from The Exorcist at this point. <laughs> you do. He does. He. Oh. Uh, He's just in the dark and his little his little face. I don't know why Sam's room is so dark. Why is, do you not have a do you not have a do you not have a window in your room? Yeah, on the other side. Oh, that's what it was. And yeah. and the the blinds are open anyway, but it's just that grim in the Midlands. So oh, bloody hell, isn't it? We just uh, live in the dark. We've spoken about Matt Healy a fair bit. Uh, they did a show at Madison Square Garden, which um was uh was put onto Amazon for people to watch. I'm going to mm. watch that because I saw the set list. I thought it looked really, really good, the set list. Uh, but Matt Healy, last week he was slagging off Metallica. <laughs> he must be fuming about download then. <laughs> Absolutely fuming. Um, so he he had a weird... He, had a, he went on a mad one on this set, right? And people <clears> seemed to be completely sort of freaked out by it all. He sort of started feeling his willy. Well, he, done, mm. he sat down on the thing smoking a cigarette and he started like fondling his willy. And then he was doing push-ups, which I've seen Mike, I've seen Mike Patton do sit-ups. So he's nicked that. He's nicked yeah. that out of Mike Patton, whatever. Derivative, so. Yeah. And, um, and then he ate a raw mm. tomahawk steak. He took two tomahawk. big bites Again, Mike Patton. Honestly. Mike Patton, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Matt. Whilst gripping his genitals as well. Um... You know, I don't really know what that's meant to represent or why that's happening. But I tell you what, and a lot of people are going, oh, why is that going? Oh, God, that's stupid. I quite like it. I quite like the fact that he's that weird that he would. And maybe not even weird. Maybe just deliberately trying to come across weird. Mm. It's interesting. It's certainly interesting to see a man eat raw meat live on stage. I tell you what, if bloody... If Nurgle did it, you'd love it, wouldn't you, you lot? <laughs> Yes, to be fair. Eric Danielson from Vatane's got nothing exactly. on the 1975 these exactly. days, has he? Yeah. Fucking coward. And it's meant that even Loudwire, last week Loudwire didn't mm. know who he was. This week yeah. they're going, oh, he's, seen, he's been eating raw meat on stage. So they're in who on it, aren't they? Who they has? Oh, God. Have a bit of consistency, Loudwire, you absolute <laughs> prats. Um, I just, yeah, uh, fair enough. Whatever. Matt Healy, do whatever you like on stage. It's your performance. You enjoy it. I just hope he doesn't have a tapeworm or something like that because uh, apparently they're horrible. Although, I did hear that if you starve it for long enough and hold like a Mars bar a couple of centimetres away from your anus, it will actually go for it. No. Apparently that is a thing that you can do. I don't know if that's an urban myth, but... A Mars I like bar? To, I like to believe... Well, it doesn't have to be a Mars bar, but something, you know, high it's in glucose and sugar or whatever. You know, it could be a Twix. I mean, they, they prefer the biscuit bit, so you probably have to eat the chocolate first, but 
thus defeating the ability to get the tapeworm out through its hunger. They prefer the biscuit bits. That was that was definitely the joke bit. Yeah. <laughs> Ge- you, you seem you seem genuinely upset about that. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not upset. I'm just like, how come he knows so much about tapeworms? I just want to know why you know so much about tapeworms. Um, yeah, is, apparently you can coax them horrific, out of your rectum. That is a horrific visage. Mm. I don't want to know about that. Maybe that's for the next tour. Yeah, that's rank. That is <laughs> rank. Oh, Teasing wow. a worm out your bum with a Mars bar. We've all done it. We haven't all done it. No one's done it. And if you have done it, you're not welcome here on this podcast, listening to this podcast. You can stop this podcast right away and go and listen to some sort of you know, like <laughs> horrible bodies with Dr. Christian or whatever it's called. <laughs> a program. Was it called Fucked Up Bodies? Gross Bodies or something. <laughs> Grotesque freaks on Channel 4 with Dr. Christensen. I don't know. I can't. I remember the show, but I can't remember what it's called. Have you ever watched? I think it, I think it was Horrible Bodies or something like yeah, that. Horrible bodies, is, yeah, Horrible Bodies. That is mean, isn't it? That is mean. At least naked attraction, you know, you get the freaks paraded out and it's just like, well, you know, they're just naked and attractive to someone. <laughs> oh, fucking Good hell. old channel for the bastion of British art and culture. Unbelievable. I, ta- oh, oh, I feel a bit sick thinking about a tapeworm. Um, Pull take- the tapeworm out of your take- ass. Hey. Take Serge Tankian's fucking um, advice if I were you. Uh, mm. Look, let's talk about something serious, right? Let's talk about something really serious. I've been saving this. I'm excited to talk about it. I went to two gigs this week to see the same ah, thing. Yes. It's the same thing. I went to see Kendrick Lamar do the O2 twice on the Big Steppers tour. Um, same set, both nights. I had quite different seats. I think I preferred the second night because it was such a visual feast. The first night I was a bit like I was for Tall. I didn't get to see, so I saw Tall three times and every time I was sat like, on the side so i didn't get a proper mm. like full frontal view of what was going on but at kendrick on the second night i was i had a seat that was um quite towards the back of the arena but with the stage right in front of me so i could see everything and it's such a good like to, fair play to the o2 wherever you sit you get a really good view it is and it does always sound great um but yeah I, so i was super excited to see this right now um mr morale and the big steppers is one of the best records of the year i think undoubtedly as i'm sure mm-hmm. we will discuss in the next month or so i'm sure we'll discuss that a fair bit and uh you know i i did have a little quick sneaky peek at the set list before um i went and i did see that the majority of the set was going to be made up from uh from that album and i was totally totally fine with that uh, because it is a great record. Um, in the end, he performed 29 songs on his set, mm. right? So 13 songs from Miss and Miranda Big Steppers, six from Damn, five from Good Kid Mad City, three covers of Baby Keem mm-hmm. songs, and two songs from To Pimp a Butterfly. Only two. Only two songs from To Pimp a Butterfly, which I think if I had one grumble, it would be come on man more mm. songs from like your your best album I, I yeah i still think that is his his best album but anyway um it was absolutely phenomenal i mean we did get i did see the the support slot from from baby keem who was 
it was decent. I don't actually have loads to talk about it because okay. unfortunately it sort of all pales into insignificance when you get a show like you, you got with, with Kendrick. Um, so there was an all white stage, mm. just a complete white box stage, an ego ramp with a, uh, a kind of a stage halfway into the arena and then another ramp which went further on with another stage right in the very, very centre of the arena. Um, the opening, when the kind of the the kind of melodic I hope from United in Grief, when that came in and it was just a completely, like I say, completely white stage and his kind of backing, he didn't have, like, they're backing dancers, right? So he's got he had backing dancers with him, but it was backing dancers in a way that was not kind of. I mean, if you saw his Glastonbury performance, you'll see he doesn't go for like very very typical backing dancers, like you know doing sort of body popping moves or whatever. Like it's all no. quite sort of stylized. It's more like movement than dancing. I think you'd say if you want to be a wanker about it, and I'm happy to be a wanker about it. Um, <laughs> and they kind of came from the the end stage and walked up like almost in unison all across the stage and onto the the main part of the stage and then the sort of the curtain came up and they got settled on there was like a bed there and there was a piano there and Kendrick Lamar was sat at the piano but because everything else that was going on around him with people on the bed and people like well you didn't even see him didn't actually notice him like the first night the screen suddenly showed uh so he was on the piano and he had a ventriloquist doll of himself sat on the piano and he played the opening like gung gung chords of that song and you're like where's that coming from and then suddenly the ventriloquist doll came up on the screen his face (laughs) and you're like oh my god where like where's that and you go oh it's on the piano and then it cut back and you just saw kendrick with his back sat to you sat at the piano and you're like he's been there the whole time it was such a cool way to open the set like you know how most people you go and see someone at arena and they'd be like this big kind of boombastic thing where they not in the shaggy sense but this big (laughs) kind of like massive thing to to bring them onto stage here i am and he he didn't make a big entrance he was just there he was on Mm. stage the whole fucking time it was so cool it's such a cool entrance and then you know as he kind of got up and he picked up the ventriloquist doll and he moved into the sort of center of the thing and the and the screens were sort of so the screens either side of the stage and as he was doing his parts as he was doing his you know as he was he was rapping the sort of the the opening um the opening couple of songs i think uh he was moving the ventriloquist doll's mouth along with him so one screen on the sort of stage left had kendrick and his face and the other one had the ventriloquist doll so you could see both of them and in between parts he would look to sort of his right and he'd move the doll's head to the left and on the screen it looked like they were looking at each other really really simple Mm. but it looked amazing like it looked amazing and i think at that point, I was just like, already, I was like, no fireworks, no flash bombs, no big crazy stage setup, completely white, just a bed and a piano, one guy holding a, ventrilo- a ventriloquist dummy, and already, this doesn't look like 
your usual arena show right no um and you know it kind of he put it down after that and when we get into you know um helen mirren doing uh so the, the whole show was kind of thematically linked together and helen mirren was acting as a sort of narrator right okay. throughout throughout the uh, um the the show which was okay. crazy she, she sort of she stopped i think it was after element where she stopped she said like hello mr morale my name is helen mirren and i'll be guiding you through um this and she, she said like oh you you're you don't let your ego get the uh the the better of you you remember you must remember what happened last time and i think that's when they went into uh backstreet backstreet freestyle and there mm. were kind of like little they were kind of almost like his subconscious talking to him about how he wrote those songs and it meant he could go back into you know kind of older parts of his discography but the whole thing seemed to be like him working through a load mm. of the stuff that happened in the you know that, that we get in mr around the big steppers but also kind of referencing back to his older material and stuff and it was also sort of simple looking you know there were the there was the occasional firebomb there was the occasional kind of bit of like kind of electro fireworky pyro um thing but most of it really for, like often it was just people stood in unusual places with him playing like you know some fucking amazing songs and for an artist that big uh you know to to, to not even really try and rely on big hits and you know big showy things i thought was crazy the only thing that he did which was at all really showy in any way i would say was, was when he moved to um he moved to the um the sort of middle part of the the very or the very kind of the very middle of the arena so the very end of this ego ramp and uh a kind of like four people in hazmat suits came out and they did they gave him a covid test and they they put him in a sort of like uh, in a kind of quarantine thing and mm. um um and he did all right and then the 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 whole platform like raised up above the arena and oh, wow. again it looked really really cool but there was you know like that was as close as you got to any kind of like showiness mm -hmm. it was more like an art installation which sounds like a wanky thing to say but it was much more like an art installation with a story or a piece of theater than it was a kind of typical rock show that you would see at an arena it was fucking amazing absolutely fucking amazing i mean musical highlights for me you know like i said i thought all right king kunta from mm. uh from to pimp a butterfly, butterfly yeah. absolutely amazing i thought swimming pools is like i love 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 that song i thought it was incredible um th th he did a version of money trees out right at the very very front of the crowd on that that end platform which is close to me which people were losing their fucking mind for absolutely mm -hmm. losing their mind and i have to say like the first night i sort of thought to myself hmm because kind of he did Silent Hill and then we got Vent, Life of Pain and Family Ties with Baby Keem. And it was all just kind of, that was the sort of most typically kind of aggro uh, part of the set. Um, yeah. And then he goes back to the piano and he did Crown all on his own. And we ended with Crown, Mr. Morale and Saviour. And on the first night, I was like, oh, is is that it? Because, you know, I didn't. he didn't come on for an encore. 
There was no like, mm. oh, this is our last song. Like n nothing like that at all. Absolutely <clears throat> nothing like that at all. He just kind of, he sat at his piano and the piano kind of descended below the stage. And he was just like, that's been the big step as taught the end, right? And I was like, oh fuck, like, oh, it's over. But if you think back to his Glastonbury performance where he did that kind of tableau, you know, with the crown of thorns on his head mm -hmm. and, you know, like um, peace for women, like for women's rights. I've forgotten the actual line that he says now, but that, which I think was, <coughs> you know, the most famous sort of iconic part of that particular set. Uh, you know, again, there was there was no big bang. Do you know what I mean? There was no like, oh, let's end on a banger. Like you think like, oh, end on all right, you know, and give yeah, the kind yeah. of big crowd pleaser at the end. But no, he didn't, you know, he didn't do that. And it's because the set needed to be served to sort of tell this story, to tell this narrative. And I don't, I was sort of, I was coming out and I was like, the first night I was like, I mean, I would say the first sort of probably 22 songs I was like, my God, this is fucking incredible. And then the Baby Keen covers and then the sort of slightly more low-key um, ending to it, I was like, oh, mm. did that kind of dip at the end? Did that sort of, did that did that leave a little bit of a, you know, could that have been better? And on the second night, I felt like I got it more. And I was just like, no, actually, like, everything here has a purpose. Everything mm. that he does have a pur has a purpose here. And everything that he did was sort of part of something larger and i thought it was amazing that you know the new album is incredible and the new album is you know as if you've listened to it when i reviewed it when when, when we were right at like you know i think he wrestles with some really really interesting stuff and he always has to be fair like he always has i think when you go back to good kid mad city there's some really mm. sort of like the thing i love about kendrick lamar is like there's lots of sort of there's lots of personal personally conflicted ideas that exist within his music which i think gives it this sort of really interesting tension and there's there was you know there was so much of that and i was sort of thinking to myself have i ever been to see like the biggest artists in the world at the time where they are literally as big as they can kind of as big as they can be at the moment kendrick lamar's pretty much you know certainly in hip-hop i would say especially oh, yeah. with, with what Kanye West has been getting up to recently. I'd say Kendrick Lamar is the biggest artist in that realm on planet Earth. And when you think that is the biggest type of music, really mm. the kind of dominant force of music, I would say Kendrick Lamar has got a pretty big shout of being, you know, maybe, t you know, I suppose Taylor Swift probably will get more listens and sell more records or whatever, but, it's, but you know, but he's up there, right? He's up there with the kind of the definitive artists of this time. It felt like going to see Prince on the fucking Purple Rain tour or Led Zeppelin on Four or Nirvana or Nevermind. Do you know what I mean? It felt mm. like seeing someone at the absolute height of their powers doing this huge show. And I'm trying to think of a time where I've been to see an artist at an arena show like this and they've delivered something which is so personal and so artistically challenging and striking to so many people i mean i spoke about tool earlier in the year and i, that, I love that tool show it was mm -hmm. brilliant and i've seen tool on lateralis you know two ten thousand days and lots of times over the years they're always brilliant and i love them as a band i absolutely love them yeah but i don't think they could have competed with this 
I think this was markedly better. I mean, you know, I sort of said, oh, a week, a few weeks after I'd seen Tool, I was kind of like, oh, I think maybe I preferred Pet Shop Boys. And it's just such a different thing. It's really, really hard to compare. I think mm -hmm. it's easy to compare Kendrick Lamar with Tool. And I think because I think that the intention to make not a, a show, which is just pure entertainment, but a show which is immersive and unique and special and different um and honestly if i was comparing tall live earlier this year and their show with kendrick lamar what i saw this week kendrick wipes the floor with them he absolutely wipes the floor with them it may well be the kind of the most impressive and the bravest arena show i've ever seen in my life and just to see somebody that big who's not just that big but that good like he's not mm. just the biggest artist in the world at the moment he's like maybe the most impressive yeah like maybe the best like <laughs> to be perfectly frank about it like in terms of uh, an important artist at the peak of their powers who is also just the fucking best mm. it was incredible man it was incredible i mean worldwide steppers amazing i'm just looking at the lineup here worldwide steppers amazing backseat freestyle was brilliant rich spirit i loved as well mad city was great like i say king kunta I, I just absolutely loved that song and then um swimming pools into bitch don't kill my vibe was fucking that might have been my favorite little point just before he kind of went over into the the kind of hazmat suit part of the show mm -hmm. but it was just you just would have had to have seen all of it picking kind of highlights from it almost seems stupid because you kind of had to have seen all of it it was phenomenal it was phenomenal like pfft. i've seen some amazing things this year mm -hmm. i've seen some amazing things but i'm not seeing anything like this it was absolutely spectacular incredible it it sounds unbelievable um and you know you the descriptions you're giving um having seen some of the uh the, the the few photos you took of the two shows that you've posted on um on your private so oh, not private on your social medias and stuff like that um i think the fact that it all looks so kind of sparse uh in terms of any kind of stage setup really i mean what you're talking about you know very little by way of any kind of pyro or flashy or showy stuff it yeah it does sound brave and i totally I, I, you'll get no arguments from me that i think kendrick 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 probably is it's probably just the greatest artist on the planet right now in terms of his innovative imagination and his ability to execute on all that and the way you were describing kind of having helen mirren which threw me a bit but um having mm. her as kind of framing device and narration device throughout and then looking at the kind of sections throughout uh the set list and everything so i had a look at the set list and i was like fuck's sake i wish i'd yeah. gone now it sounds like it is the, a continuation of the themes of Miss Morale and the Big Steppers taken mm. to the stage, but not just like, I'm going to do the album in full as this kind of narrative piece. It sounds like it's extended to his entire career. It does sound like a kind of culmination of maybe even this era of Kendrick from Mad City through to Miss Morale, because it sounds like him doing that older material, he's almost then reacting to it with the latter half, uh, or even both parts of Miss Morale. It sounds, yeah, sounds fascinating and just absolutely sublime. I really fucking wish I'd gone. I hope he releases it for, in some way for home release just so I can even get a glimpse of what it was like properly. But then even then it's not properly because I'm not seeing it for real and I'm not in that moment. But Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, 
you know, with the way that kind of streaming and stuff is now, like I'm sure it will be recorded for posterity at some point. I'm sure. I would will. hope so. Yeah. Um, but it was just, you know, everything felt like it meant something. Every mm. every decision felt like it had been thought about. You know, there were there was um, huge gap of silence uh, between Mister Morale and the final savior. You know, it, the, all the lights went down and mm. they stood there for what felt like about 10 minutes. I mean, it's probably more like sort of two, three minutes. But it was a yeah. long time of everyone in his entire company just sort of stood there. And you go, well, there's, there's got to be a reason for this. And there's, it's, this has got to mean something. quite what it means. Like, you know, it's great to come out of something and go, well, you know, like, I wonder what he's trying to say there. And trying to kind of match the visuals that he put together with the you know the the songs that you know and it's hard enough a lot of the time working out like the the narrative for that record itself and let mm-hmm. alone chucking in you know stuff from good kid mad city and but, and uh, damn the, and a yeah, bit of, uh, butterfly uh, yeah. yeah and i can like you know i i did go oh, i would like more from to pimp a butterfly but having seen the show i can kind of understand why there was less of it in there i can kind of understand mm. that because i guess like thematically that's a slightly different thing to what he's doing, you know. Yeah. Um. I think, I, I, I you may have seen, but on Louder, I did a a kind of ten year anniversary piece on Good Kid, Mad City, um, which I fucking love, and I did say like I feel like Mr. Morale is sort of a, the first time we've had a kind of thematic sequel to that record. Mm. Um. But anyway, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk more about Kendrick Lamar, come, you know the end of the year i'm sure um whether it be album or gig of the year because that will take some topping that will take some topping it it was just amazing absolutely amazing um so yeah uh let's move on and let's talk about a couple of albums that uh that are out or coming out um Tappy Houston, I think it's called Tappy Houston. Once bit, never bored. The debut album from the Sons of Ulrich, the two-piece band that are the brothers Miles and Lane Ulrich, the sons of Lars Ulrich, who uh, I, yes. I would imagine to see will be seeing this band at download. I would imagine. I would have thought so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, I don't want to kind of lean too heavily on that as a kind of sell or reason why we're doing it basically i interviewed miles and lane for metal hammer a couple of weeks ago and i got sent this album in advance and you know i was interested to talk to them because i think you know as a story it must be quite interesting to be brothers in a Mm two-piece in a two-piece rock band um with just a pair of you that's quite interesting but to be a band who come from you know the kind of as the offspring of the drummer of the biggest metal band of all time we didn't really focus on that for too long, but I was like, well, you know, there's definitely plenty of interesting things to talk to this band here about. So I was interested to do that. And um, I got the album sent through and I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I you try to have, you know, no expectations or you try and kind of go, like, I'm not going to sort of wonder too much what this is, but uh, you can't help but go, I wonder if, you know, like the little cynical part of your brain goes, I wonder if this is actually any good or or is it a kind of like a thing that has been chucked together. They've kind of got a record label because of, you know, of who they know. Daddy's bought me a record contract. Yeah, Yeah, that kind of thing. I have to say, this is a classic kind of power garage rock twosome in the vein of Mm -hmm. the 1975 um, or, you know, little bits of 
um the the white stripes and uh i guess royal blood and i think it's a sliding scale from that last death from above 1975 album and um death above 1979 i should say not from the i was gonna say like you, you just said you just said the 1975 and then death from above 1975 it's like you, you're getting there i know who you're yeah, I know, about, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you, death from above enough. 1979 um that's the one uh yeah and the last royal blood album and i think yeah this is far closer to the death from above album than it does the rather poor uh last royal blood album personally mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'd say it doesn't sit a million miles away from the debut Royal Blood album, which um, you know I've, I've kind of revisited in dribs and drabs over the years. Which yeah, I think it's, it's got some pretty good bangers on, isn't it? Got some bangers on it. Ten ton skeletons on that one, isn't it? Or is that on the second one? But uh, regardless, yeah. that early part of Royal Blood when they were doing you know big riffy rock songs is really cool. And when you get um the opening track on this, as the sun sets, I absolutely just love uh Lane Ulrich's dual tracked bass where he's got one that's doing all the low end and then one through a you know a sort of octave pedal with a bit of whammy on it doing all this squealing and stuff like that there are points on this where it's like is he really just doing bass like just playing bass even if it has been you know multi-tracked and layered and layered and layered or whatever it's awesome and then you've got that flange and the delay against it and with miles's percussion sort of backing it up it's really cool it's rollicking stoner inflected rock quite muscular production but still with that sort of 70s flange and reverb on it it's got a satisfying kind of almost desert feel as well to it um and the the chorus hook with the instrumental syncopation is that as the sun sets on my tongue i feel the effects all at once it's really good um mm. and i feel the rest of the album basically more or less kind of follows suit with that i don't think this is a, a dynamite world beating debut but it's a perfectly good one um and i i went in with admittedly pretty low expectations i was definitely on the yeah dad's bought me a record contract kind of thing um i don't think there's any reason why this band couldn't you know find a, a decent audience for themselves yeah they've definitely been helped in terms of promotion and stuff like that by virtue of who their dad is but um <laughs> i mean miles is uh, arguably a better drummer than his dad ever was like and you know i'm not one of these people who's like oh Lars Orch has always been shit because he was great on you know well basically on the first four particularly on and justice for all um on a track like The Middle, there's these bits where it all drops out uh, during the verses and Miles is just able to cram in these fills. He's really, really good. He's a, a great really song, good drummer. The middle. I think The Middle it's a is great a one. great song. It's got that slacker indie thing to it where it sort of sits like... This is this is uh, a really good... If, if you're someone who's like, I hate indie music, but I kind of like the idea of it. I kind of like the idea of writing good songs. I think the thing about um, Tapai Houston is... is like you say, there's nothing really completely unique about them. You don't listen to it and go, oh, I've never heard this before. Yeah, it's no. Death and Above 1979. Yeah, it's The Kills. Yeah, it's, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's all it's all that stuff. It's um, And there's, there's so much in the latter half where Lane is definitely um, aping Jack White as well, kind of vocally. Yeah. Loads yeah, of kind of Jack, I mean, you know, like the, the last few Jack White albums, uh, I've been, particularly when Jack White puts that fucking fuzzy distortion pedal on, I can't help but just get like that shit excites me. I love it. And you know, there's, there's, there's some really, you know, that squeaky Jack white vocal where you're going, ah, 
like that kind of thing. I mean, that is yeah. not what it sounds like on this record at all, but you know, <laughs> that's me being bad at impressions rather than this band not being very good. But like, you know, there's a really deep groove on something like Hypocrite. And I think if you're someone who's like, I kind of want to like indie music, but I wish it had a little bit more rumble. I wish it had a bit more grit. I wish mm-hmm. it had a bit more kind of scrub around it. I think this record has all of that, but I think there's some really fucking good songs in it as well. Frequency, um, you know, like I said, Hypocrite, the middle, I think the opening song, uh, As the Sun Sets, which you mentioned, has got that kind of placebo-esque riff. And they sort of, they dance around heavy guitar parts, really cool melodies, kind of glammy, slacker, garage feels. Mm. And they managed to kind of, I think they, they quite skillfully managed to have their cake and eat it. It's not the best record you will hear of this year it might no. not even you know with with that first jack white album that came out earlier this year it's probably not even the best record in this style but i do think it's very very short yeah it's very concise it's quite simple and i think within a listen and a half you will find yourself humming guitar lines or mm-hmm. you know vocal melodies to parts of these songs and you'll be going this is actually really good. This is really quite good. Yeah, I, I think it's a perfectly good debut album. I think they've done a good job here. I think there are bits where it kind of loses a bit of momentum, um, not even just terms of changes of pace, uh, but frequency. I do really like most of that track. I really like uh, Miles' shuffling percussion. It's it's quicker. You've got this tremolo-picked kind of palm-muted bass bits from Lane. It's really cool. That's one of those songs where the chorus feels like the weak link in it to me. Um and then there's there is one bit uh, in the sort of bridge towards the end where it all goes a bit Dr. Seuss in terms of the lyrics because it does this uh, yeah not very well executed section of me and the press come to break you loose from the truth listening to news while you're tying your shoes just to choose and it's like yeah okay <laughs> I mean I'm not gonna beat them too hard with that but it's like that bit does pull me out somewhat I think um song like uh, Susie Thin Lips eh, okay. It leans way, way too heavily into the kind of reverence for Jack White. But then uh, when you get something like Drop Song, which has all of those elements, but hints at a kind of distinct personality for Tapai Houston. Yeah, I think it's good. It's not going to be anywhere near my end of year list, but I'd be curious to see where this band goes next. I think they've got enough obvious talent to them. Yeah, fair play to them, lads. Go on, boys. I would like to see them live, I think. I think that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to see them live because I think these songs always, songs like this to me always sound better live. And I think they'd be, you know, half an hour and they play this album, if you know, they're obviously going to play everything they've got, right? So they play this album in, I wouldn't say in full, like chronological order or whatever, but playing everything from this record in a set over half an hour in a small club, I think Mm -hmm. they, I think they would sound really, really good. I'm, I, I really I do, like genuinely do really like this record I've been back to it a few times and I kind of wanted to cover it because I was like you know kind of like yeah I was my first listen to it I was like oh yeah you know it's it's fine sort of thing like mm-hmm. it's cool and then the, it did sort of it gets it does get its claws into you a little bit I mean yeah, again like, yeah. I don't think this is going to be my in you know my favorite album of the year or whatever you know we just spent 10 minutes talking about Kendrick Lamar and I don't think they can really <laughs> have any kind of um you know uh call on someone like that but you know like they do the thing that they do very well and mm. you know fair play to to Lars he's um 
He's, uh, he's very proud. fantastic children, yes. Yes, very, very good. So there you go. Once Bit Never Bored by Tapai Houston. That is out now. Uh, let's talk about Melted Bodies, the Inevitable Fork Volume 1, the first of three EPs of what will become an album from the LA-based weird band melted bodies i'm just gonna call them a weird band i think because that's fair uh they are a dynamically deranged band apparently um it says from not fest and that that is fairly accurate this is mm-hmm. short this this is very very short this is only a four track ep um it roughly clocks in at just over the 20 minute mark 21 yeah. 22 minutes or so it's actually not out until the 25th of November. But basically, I never heard of this band before. I got sent this. And I don't often stop in my tracks and go, Who's, what's, what's this? Who's this? Mm. Where's this come from? But I did hear because I thought it was super interesting. And the more I've listened to it, the more and more I have totally fallen in love with this band. And I think they are well good. Uh, yeah, I, I'd never heard of them either. Um, and I remember you saying, oh, I think you'd like this, Sam. And uh, you were 100% right. First track, it's this kind of extended, low, rumbling bass. Quite sort of, de- feels like deliberately tiddly produced. And then you've got these jagged atonal guitars over the top. And it's like, right, okay. So this is going to be kind of sort of quite aggressive, nasty, maybe post-metally type stuff. And then the vocals come in and they're pretty heavily distorted, but you can tell they're being clean sung. And it kind of made me think of uniform or something like that one of those kind of industrial yeah. noise bands and i thought oh, okay you get this then soft piano break in the middle just for a few seconds and it clatters back in and by the end of the song you've gone through all these weird different movements that kind of shouldn't work together but then it coalesces into this really grand sort of scope of devin townsend style finale for its last minute and i was like fucking hell i mean i don't have a handle on this at all but i really like it and then you get the next tr- song think safe and it, it's got sort of quite a danceable drum part and i'm like oh okay maybe they're going to do a slightly more dancey song and it's like no they're going to do sisters of mercy by way of devo it's absolutely fucking brilliant it's mad cap and it's got these heavy clattering kind of juddering stabbing synths all the way through <laughs> really fucking cool it's like uh totally the vocal performance on that one it's got this weird ability to go from just a sort of croon to a soft whisper to a scream immediately just on a dime it's like Destrage and Mother Vulture have mm. had a baby with Mikey and from Sixth and Mike Patton. Liars, hardcore techno with a bit of Nintendo core kind of thing. Carpenter Brute with Jeffrey, Jeffrey Biala on vocal Biala? Jeff, Jello Biafra on vocals. And then the last song is Dead Kennedys being played by System of a Down. It's fucking brilliant. I love this. This is awesome. Well, th- the song Therapy, the one you're just talking about, so I put some oh, yeah, yeah, power, me- power metal version of Dead Kennedys with electro synth parks, parts in it, which sounds awful on paper, but it's absolutely banging. I mean, and so much of that is true. I mean, so many of the things that I go, well, it sounds a bit like that, but it just sounds weirder and it doesn't tell the whole story. If I say to you, like, Think Safe sounds a bit like System of a Down, but mixed with Depeche Mode, mm. but, but with a sort of Marilyn Manson-style electro-goth pump thing i know you're not allowed to be nice about marilyn manson but whatever and like a sort of sexy static x that goes into <laughs> this like do you know what i mean it's really really fucking weird it reminds me of killing joke at parts it reminds me of swans at, at parts it reminds me of code orange at parts it reminds me of godflesh in other parts it reminds me of Venter shikari in other parts it reminds me of yeah. you mentioned discharge it sounds like that as well like 
And it all there sounds it. like something Mike Patton might be into. Do you know what I mean? Or, or, or get on board with. Uh, yeah, I didn't know anything about this band at all. And then I heard this and I just thought, I, I love this. It's mm. well good. It's well, well, well good. Like genuinely, if you are in any way interested in kind of bizarre heavy music, like the, yeah. the you know, you mentioned shit like Death Drive, Devin, Sixth, Pattern, Bungle, System of a Down, all those things. You kind of, from me saying that, you will kind of think you know what this band sound like. Trust me, you don't. No. No, I mean, you know, as I say, Think Safe, the second song, is Sisters of Mercy being performed by Devo that sounds like Destrage and Mother Vulture on the track. It is hard to pin this band down. Uh, this is awesome. I'm really looking forward to the next two parts of this EP that will create an album. Um, yeah, if you like, yeah, if you like weird, heavy music, you've got to listen to this. I think this is one of the best EPs I've heard this year. I think this is so fucking perb, mate. Yeah, I think this might be yeah. my favourite EP of the year, to be honest, because I have heard a bunch. I've gone, oh, that's pretty good. But I ha it hasn't really made me go, oh, we must do this two weeks mm. before it comes out on the podcast. So the fact that I was, uh, I heard this and I immediately went to you, let's just do it. Let's just do it yeah. this week because it needs to be spoken about while it's sort of fresh in my mind. Uh, I think there's quite a lot. This band are really good really mm -hmm. really really good and really weird and yeah like we say if you like weird heavy music this is the one for you uh it's called the inevitable fork volume one by melted bodies go and listen to it now now um to close the show out uh i sat down with julian harlan and jackie from show me the body last week we reviewed their latest album trouble the water and um i wanted to get a kind of handle on exactly what it was that they as a band were sort of inspired by and uh, and were repping uh, that kind of inspired that record because it is as we said last week you can go back and listen to that review it's an unusual record full of unusual influences so um i had a chat with them and here's what they said all right we're here in an airbnb there's a cat behind me which I'm delighted about, I have to say. But I'm even more delighted that I'm with all the guys, all the guys from Show Me The Body who are here with me right now. Say hello, everybody. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey. Howdy. So we've got, like two, we've got a problem here because there's four of us and we've got two mics. So we're going to be doing this with like mic passing backwards and forwards. But um, gents, uh, you, played, you played London last night. You played Camden Underworld um unfortunately i didn't get to come down to the show i'm hoping as we record that i get to come down to the brixton show tomorrow that is my plan um but before we get into the chat first of all you know the album's been out a couple of weeks now tell us how you feel about the album and more importantly what was the what was the london show like last night the london show was very lovely it's always lovely to come over here we've been here a couple times like four times or something like that yeah. and it's always um, super positive interaction. We have a lot of friends who are from here. Um, shout out Wulu, shout out Rago, Goya, Jodeci, Archie, uh, Kaya, Elijah, um, Pinty, all good ones, you know, that we know from the city. Um, and also the, uh, I think there's uh, the youth in London who come to our shows have specifically wonderful dance styles you know what I mean that I think is always gorgeous to watch from our perspective 
And so I just want to thank everyone for dancing. We had a great time. Um, but yeah, the album's pretty cool. Yeah, proud of it. Yeah, it's awesome to be playing the new songs on this tour, you know, and seeing people already know them and react to them. And, you know, off the, t the tail end of a European tour the last two weeks coming here is just, it's a fun, fun way to head back home, you know. And the show was wonderful last night. Like, we, we've been on the road for about two weeks with Power Plants, so we knew um, they were going to be incredible. But uh, Wulu really blew me away, and uh, Island of Love was wonderful as well. Nice. Oh, someone's at the door. Someone's at the door. We're going to keep this in, by the way. I'm not editing this out. I can't be bothered. But I want to pick up on, <laughs> on what you're saying about the, the, the hardcore dancing. The hardcore scene in the UK very very different to the hardcore scene in the u.s yeah. uh you were saying before which we're barely part of too well, you know in the, in the u.s we're definitely the outliers i think and we get we have a lot of friends who are definitely some heavyweights in the hardcore scene and i think a lot of the fans of hardcore in america um don't see us as like official you know like that's not beat down, you know what I mean? Or like, that's not a real fight riff, you know what I mean? But that's okay too, because we're not that much interested in doing that sort of thing. But uh, I think that like, as far as like hardcore in the UK, there's like, there's so many great bands and there have been a lot of great bands and there's a lot of like young people who are now picking up where like some people have left off. Like, you know, uh, Jackie mentioned Island of Love and all those kids in power plant are just, I feel like it's definitely a big part of like a new wave of punk rock happening for the London scene. And then there's also people who are, you know, bands who used to like, you know, the chisel and the arms race guys and the chubby guys and all that stuff is really great and game and people involved in like four scenes, stuff like that. And, uh, fucking subdued. They're all really, really great. But I, but I, I think that like as a, as a whole, I think I'm very excited, at least as far as the American scene goes. I think there's kind of like somewhat of a renaissance and hopefully it's starting to sound a little bit different and at least of open-mindedness in the hardcore scene in America that I'm very excited about that I think is small echoes are happening definitely in London as well and around the UK and Europe. And... Um, just like you know people want something new and people people want to feel new things you know what i mean and so i and so i'm i'm very happy to see this sort of trend towards freak out and like and uh unhingedness throughout the hardcore scene you know yeah i mean that is you know we kind of we, we spoke about your album on this podcast last week and i was saying that the amount of stuff that goes into the sound of your record is for me the thing that sets it apart from just another hardcore band doing more hardcore -y things and that's really gonna excite me personally having listened to this music for a long time i want something that doesn't sound like you know the typical like i god love a band like terror for example who just go we play this music and we play it over and over again and great like fucking all power to them but for me what inspires me is the sort of stuff where i don't know where it's coming from or what inspired it or you know what i mean like that is exciting to me and i think that harlan you were saying just before we started recording that the the interesting thing about you guys as a band is you feel like you all come from completely different 
genres that you are in love with and things that you're interested in and trying to find a place for all those things is really what makes you as a band sort of work and in, as interesting as well so um yeah if you just want to like pick up on that a little yeah. bit like what, what we were saying before um yeah i mean i, I think that we've had a lot of common interests you know in, in the shaping and forming of the project but i think uh there's always been like a push pull with the sound and also a, an attempt to keep ourselves guessing and um and in, and to constantly try to reinvent ourselves and impress ourselves with you know against what we had just done and finished you know and uh i, I think that like pushing of ourselves has like developed our own sound you know in a way which has been the goal and like a, a you know and that is to say like also very influenced by where we're from like where we grew up and like you know um the environments we grew up in definitely shaped the uh sound of the project and the music that we listen to as well you know mm, okay uh i got an email just before i came down and one of the artists that um that was sort of given to me in fact the only artist that was given to me before we started were the persuasions yeah um so i i was unfamiliar with them as a band i've been listening to them i listened on the tube on the way down so they're kind of new york doo-wop acapella kind of thing um yeah like talk to me about the persuasions a bit persuasions are an amazing group from brooklyn five fire harmonies um and uh they i guess the the name uh my favorite album by them is called we came to play um and it's not only is is the art like tough as nails but it's uh it's all beautiful beautiful music the harmonies musically are incredible and like the message of all the songs are so beautiful some of them even reference like being on the road and experiencing life on tour and it's literally like it's like they're singing to like us while we're like listening to it over and over and over again we li i listen to the record a lot i think maybe i beat it to death for these guys a little bit sometimes but um yeah it's it's so lovely and also um you know they're they're, uh, they're not necessarily like um like a lot of people don't like they're not the most well-known duop group i think but they're very very important for the lineage of music also frank zappa speaking of freak out music frank zappa was a huge fan of them and had them open for the mothers when they played carnegie hall back in the day and when zappa died um one of zappa's producers that they worked with had um the persuasions make a zappa cover record called sincerely frank and so it's it's like there's a whole world of intertwining with rock and roll and cool ass beautiful new york sound music you know what i mean um and uh yeah it's just it's it's some of the most beautiful music and i i learned about them because i got uh like a like a, a crosley like like record player like one of the portable ones when i was younger and i didn't have any records and my cousin gabriel who's the original original drummer of show me the body and also helped us uh um produce and write our last records and he did some arrangement on this last record for a couple songs and he's an amazing musician he bought me my first persuasions record and it wasn't that record but it was a different record and um 
that's how I found out about persuasions and, and just really just changed my life and, and blew my mind and opened, opened me up to beautiful music. Amazing. Uh, Jackie, I felt like you were about to say something, um, like words to that effect regarding how much you love this band. So do you got anything you want to add about that, that group? No, introduced to me by Julian, and I'm just I'm I'm a new fan, but I absolutely um, the the feeling of of listening to it um, on the road and hearing how they were talking about touring a few decades ago and how much it resonates like it's it's like a, a permanent beautiful tour memory that lives in my mind. Yeah, amazing. Okay, cool. Well, um, you know, I was interested. So sort of why when we got this chat together, the thing that I was most interested in is trying to find out all of those little kind of influences and inspirations and stuff that go into the sort of genetic makeup of the music that you guys make. And I feel like it would be an interesting chat and I feel like there'll be lots of different um, styles and genres that you reference between the three of you. So yeah. um, we're just gonna go and try kind of one by one pick an album which you feel has been a sort of inspirational record of yours. Um, I don't know if anyone uh, is dying to go first out of, out of you guys? Uh, I'm looking at the year. <laughs> yeah, I am looking at the year. I don't want to say the wrong, uh, the wrong year to point people in the wrong direction. Someone else start because I'm telling you that. Yeah, go, go, Jaden. You go. I have to say a different one now. I mean, Fuck, man. Um, let me think, think, think. Can I say a couple? No, you want one. No, no, go, go. Casually, I mean, like, on some like, on some like, like, child of like the, like, you know what I mean? Growing up in like late '90s, early 2000s, obviously, like, human equals garbage is like a huge thing. When you find out about it, you're like, oh my god! You're like, never heard anything like this before, and it's so important. Um, so obviously, that was extremely influential, as well as like, you know, crass feeding of the 5000s, like, you know, super influential record. When you learn about that record, at least as like a young kid in New York, you're like, "Oh my god!" Like I've never heard anyone talk like this. Like this is crazy, and and like and um, the bleakness of it is so special. Um, but I'd say also, just straight up as far as like New York goes, and even a continuation of the Persuasions, I'd say one of the most influential records is uh, for me is probably like Road to Ruin, um, just by the fucking Ramones. It's like some of the best music. Yeah. ever and we still listen to it and still enjoy it like we're still fucking 12 years old like and also you know just to keep fucking going on the new york tip it's, that's new york sound music and really the ramones and it's, a lot of that album specifically is really just like doo-wop songs with distortion and guitars and a bass and drums accompanied you know what i mean it's, that's all what you call corner music yeah. you know what i mean like and 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 so i th i think that's probably was was an extremely influential record for me when I was a kid, just to like be like, oh dang, like punk rock. It's also mad funny to think that like when they made that record, like people were like, this is what all pop music will sound like from now on. <laughs> like it's just yeah. mad fucking funny to think about that shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Ramones are. Hold on, let me just get yeah, the Ramones are an interesting one because obviously the, the the sort of the the pop sensibility of the Ramones is something which I would have said, if you'd have asked me in like, does that even kind of exist in hardcore? For years and years and years, I would have been like, well, there's not any kind of straight hardcore bands that really take the influence of 
like pop hooks in the way that you know like in the same way the I Ramones so did. I so disagree with you because it's all about it's also it doesn't have to be about necessarily melodic change as much as it can be about rhythmic nature of the thing because I think that what's really important with hardcore which is obviously in all music especially pop music is can you dance to it and this is a big part of hardcore music is the actual dancing to it and when something is successful pop music even like hip hop today internet hip hop some of the most exciting stuff is still that there's dances that go along with these things and this is how they gain popularity and this is how they connect to children too it's why it's for children it's the dances of the moment you know what I mean how people are dancing in the clubs how people are dancing in their rooms you know what I mean so I think literally like if you think about like like if you think about like agnostic front hooks like those are incredibly poppy like the rhythmic that they're the rhythm that they're hitting and stuff like this like they I think even beyond melody the rhythmic choices are are inc incredibly enticing, you know what I mean? As much as a melody could be, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a different thing to, I think the the melodicism, I mean, actually agnostic, now you said agnostic front, I feel like you stumped me a little bit because agnostic front actually do have loads of super hooky kind of chorus parts and yeah. stuff like, do you know what I mean? They yeah. actually do like, got, when I, the first time I ever heard Gotta Go when I was about 17, I was like, oh, okay, well that's just an absolutely massive pop song. But I guess, yeah, rhythmically, I think for me, like hardcore, I always thought of it more as, mm, I guess like, like dance music to me when I go, was, would listen to like rave when I was a kid yeah, the rave yeah. scene like that didn't sound like the Beach Boys but it did sound like disco you know and uh, disco does obviously have huge kind of pop hooks and pop melodies but I always kind of differentiate melody away from uh, like a rhythmic hook is still a hook obviously I completely agree with that but I think a melodic hook as opposed to a, a sort of rhythmic hook, feel like a really different thing. I think they sort of move you in different ways. And I think the point that I was gonna get to sure. is there's not many hardcore albums that give me that kind of, I guess, you know, when you, like a, a rhythmic hook, you kind of feel it in your legs and in your groin and stuff and in your stomach, whereas I kind of, you sort of feel it in yeah. your heart with a, with a oh, melodic yeah, hook, do you know what I mean? I think, I think when it's a melodic one, it's more just like, it's not even, you're not, it's like, there's no choice. You're just like, oh, it's like more like trance. You know what I mean? It's like when you, it's like, it's like having a music video. It's like seeing like, seeing moving image with music is so like grossly enticing. Like it's so easy to be like, oh wow, I'm really moved by this. It's like, it's a moving image and there's music happening. Yeah. Like it's just like a gut reaction. Hearing a beautiful melodic part, you're like, it's, it's more entrancing, I feel like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, well, fine, yeah, I think. But you, I think your album's got a couple, there were a couple of moments on the new record where I was like, oh, that's like a full, I mean, you know, yeah, like I, I can see the Ramonesy sort of. Yeah. It goes back to that, uh, almost yeah, the sort of the doo wop, the Ramones, the, the Beach Boysy sort of stuff. I can absolutely hear that, and I think that's something that you don't hear that much in, what well, you know, like Minor Threat or something. Do you know what I mean? So well, I think yeah, I mean, I, I think the, uh, the the reasoning behind it and like the you know where the music kind of comes from it's like a different place I mean I feel like um, those shows are so much about like an experience that you're having like being there being in the moment and then when you make when you listen and, or make a record it's like a totally different science going down you know and like yeah. you know playing on emotions playing on the rhythms of the things that you were talking about um, I was I feel like one of the bands we were listening to a lot was DAF oh yeah, um, yeah totally. and which and I actually think is also like kraut rock also as like a punk rock kind of medium definitely is extremely yeah. melodic and relies mostly i think like on those like simple bass lines that repeat endlessly and kind of like you know it's like their origins of like rave and like 
even a version of hardcore that's like the Eastern Bloc hardcore, you know? And, <laughs> and like we, I feel like that was a huge influence for this record. I mean, like we've always, we've always been in search of like different voices than the like archetypical three-piece band voices. Like, you know, we started off as a three-piece band and then soon enough, Julian's banjo like started feedbacking enough that it became the fourth member of the band and like the whale sounds basically what we called it. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And, uh, and then I kind of wanting to like take the bass guitar and wanted to make that less of the like only, or, you know, make it more of like a bass monster instrument. It's like, how can I expand on that, that, uh, role within the project and use like electronics and synths. So like trying to find projects, and music that could influence that like it's been fascinating like DAF, Kraftwerk, um, a lot of those crowd rock bands I really I listened to a lot for, you know while making this yeah. record um, and uh, yeah also can I shout out mandatory um, mandatory shout out and and current embarrassment for Jackie uh, is like me and Holland were super influenced by Jackie's band Sediment Club um, who have some major heavy hitters you can hear them on the radio Rotten Roll, Kicked Back Into The Crypt. These are hits, man. <laughs> and me and Harlan were bumping the fuck out of that shit. Yeah. And so and so, even Jackie being with us today and drumming with us is so special because like, we literally would be listening to his music being like, oh, fuck. Like, that shit is tight. And then like wanting to make things like it. And like part of what we do now is part of that. Um, and Jackie is also in a sick band called uh, uh, Eurochromes, which, you know, is like very much in the lane of of DAF. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you talk, man. What yeah, Jackie, go on. Um, oh, you got a thing. Sorry. No, okay. D tell us about it. Well, if you want to expand on those, man, you want to give a little pimp out your your other recreational things that you've been up to, but also, you know, what what kind of inspired the drumming and you know what these guys are saying. Um, you know, where did you get to that place? Sure. Yeah, I don't think they. I think they've been pimped as much as they can be pimped, and they'll <laughs> lie where they lie. But, but um, I did. I I love to talk about like I I grew up in like a little scene of more kind of like noise rock bands and um that kind of shit, and uh, just like a, a a small scene in in Manhattan and Brooklyn, maybe you know um. 2005 to 2010 or so and there was this band fiasco with this album god loves fiasco that completely informed how i wanted to drum and um you know it's it's not even a thing of of um an album that i can really tell people they need to go out and listen to because to me it's just the pure nostalgia of remembering these first shows that changed my world but i i think it's like it's important to recognize those albums because something about the um the show me the body and corpus message that i always loved so much is um you know telling the kids like yeah like come come out to like the the new hype bands new shows and and please keep coming to our shows but also like make make your own shows and and make your own bands because that shit is so important and 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 rep your friends bands and if your friends bands suck just keep repping them until they get good <laughs> you know like it'll happen eventually um um and 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 that was like such an important time for me and 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 continues to inform what i want out of music now yeah okay cool um 
I'm going to bring something up that I saw you guys tweet the other day from your, uh, I mean, you probably already know what I'm going to bring up because there are a few people who are like, <laughs> about it, but you did a tweet about hip hop. Now, firstly, do you guys get called hip hop a lot? Really? Do you, I mean, Julian, like you, I think, I think it, you know, and like, I think that, and like, sorry to everybody who got upset, you know, not whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, I just I think and it's more just a comment I think on how I see myself and my lineage and my vocals is that I don't consider myself a rapper and I don't you know what I mean I don't think show many bodies necessarily I think there's absolutely we're absolutely influenced by hip hop and rap music like we still listen to like Big L a lot we still listen to a lot of like and current New York hip hop like we're enthralled with um, and um Shout out Mike, shout out Bandman, um, but uh, it's like the and uh, there's like I think that when when people like call so many body a hip hop band, it upsets me a little bit because I think that hip hop is really about a different experience than our experience personally. You know, and I think it's about people of color in America personally, and this is only my opinion. You know, so and and it's only it doesn't mean that anybody can do their thing and that you know a white rapper can't exist and I don't mean to say that but what I do mean to say is how we see ourselves and how we see our expression adding to the lineage and history that we like feel that we are a part of you know what I mean um and uh yeah and straight up you know like as a as a white person I don't feel like I contribute to hip-hop I think I'm influenced by hip-hop absolutely absolutely but I think but we are not part of like the hip hop scene. We aren't. It is not what we do necessarily. We often play with rappers. We have friends who are rappers. We tour with, and we tour them because they make wonderful music. It's not because we're rappers too. It's because they're great at what we do, and we respect them, and we want to be around people who are great. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I was gonna yeah, because I mean you know for for people who weren't feeling, I think that basically the tweet, uh, what you've just said is sort of succinctly sums up um what your tweet was kind of insinuating i know a lot of people turned around and went oh what about the beastie boys and and this sort of thing obviously but, the beastie but, boys are great yeah 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 i mean obviously the beastie boys <laughs> Who's are great, the beastie boys are not great? <laughs> yeah yeah but also they used to be a hardcore band yeah of course <laughs> yeah yeah of course i i mean it's in, do, do, have you guys checked out much sort of i mean you know i'm obviously from the uk so i am going to turn around and go well uh the UK has an incredibly sort of strong, when you say kind of uh, people of color in the US, have you ever had a chance to check out much kind of UK hip hop? Because I, I mean, we're in a really, I, I would say just as, a, as an aside, we're in an incredibly strong position at the moment in the United Kingdom where we have a, you know, grime has reached these incredible heights. And I mean, yeah, Dave's album was sure. my favorite. Absolutely. I think all I can say though, is that I don't know shit about it. Okay, and I think it's lovely and people are into it I think it's so lovely yeah. but we personally don't I personally don't know shit about it okay. well a anytime I get past the ox I put on baseline junkie which is why yeah. I don't get past the ox much anymore <laughs> I, I love I love that shit okay nice alright sweet I mean I think the like I my favorite thing about it is the production and the the way of thinking about you know beats and just sounds and you know and how it's used a lot of my friends in london who are producers or electronic music makers they they show me stuff all the time that i've like i just don't hear 
when I'm out in the States and going to studios and stuff. And it's, I'm always impressed by it, but yeah, it's, it, you know, we, we don't get exposed to it too much, but it's nice when we do. Also, yeah. actually, I do have to say, I know something about it. There's a song I used to jam all the time called Me and the Girls by Gemini that my homie put me onto like a long time ago. Gemini is like kind of a low key, like, like UK rapper, but shit bangs me and me and the girls, Gemini. Yeah, I mean, it's funny actually because, you know, I, we've got a few listeners from Australia and Canada and the US and stuff. And when, uh, you, you know, I have had an occasion where, you know, I think last year we reviewed, I mean, the new, the latest album by Dave is one of my sort of favorite records of the last decade. I love it. And I think somebody from, did say well you know it doesn't he hasn't really translated anywhere else and it's because it's such a kind of uk centric thing dave, dave? No. you not heard of him no no see it's not i mean he's like, like he plays like you said yes no no but dude he he headlined redden he headlined the main stage of redden over here yeah. he could play like three nights at o2 he's fucking massive but i know in in new york i think somebody said oh in new york he does like thousand cap venues maybe like yeah. the biggest or stuff but yeah i mean maybe it's something that i mean it is very 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 you're specific to like, the uk you're talking about new york though and this is like new york is like the birthplace of hip-hop so it's also where like you're gonna get the snootiest hip-hop motherfuckers they're gonna be like oh that's not real that's that's not this that's not that you know what i mean so like you really like new york for a uh, international hip-hop artist new york is probably the worst place for you to go I did. I, w I mean, again, I, yeah, I was going to ask you about that actually, like, because you know, the 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 sort of the the other thing that I think is cool about you guys is like the lineage of being a band from New York. I mean, there is so much music that's come from New York over the years. So so much music, and you know, you've kind of preempted what I was going to talk about uh, later on in terms of how that kind of shapes you as a music fan. Um, what? What do you think coming from a place like that does? Because, I mean, it's something that even even living in London for 20 years, like I have whatever, I mean, I've not tried to make music in any of that time, but you know, there's, there's still not as much of a lineage of great music, even in London, as there is in New York, where like really? you say, I don't, what, the birthplace of hip hop, the birthplace of punk, the birthplace of disco, right. you yeah, got- not, not some of that is in London? I mean, yeah, I feel like it's I don't. I, I, I think like we're we're taking credit for punk I when it, I don't think we should. To okay. Be fair. Oh, respect. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel there. like it gets thrown back and forth a lot. Like mm. I, I mean, I feel like New York and London have a really specific relationship with throughout the history of music, and like you know, a lot of artists came over here and were appreciated in ways that they weren't back in the states, and once they were, they came back home and really became who they became. Like Jimi Hendrix, perfect example. Like dude was. Yeah huge out here and like coming back to the states was it enabled him to like you know bring his career to another level you know at least the way i understood it and obviously his influence on british music and then how that came you know it's like it's 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 awesome you know and i think uh it's even in punk rock that's like clearly evident. i was like watching this stupid ass youtube video about uh this off from like a panel from this punk rock TV show and it was yeah. the most hilarious thing I'd seen in a long time it was um, Marky Ramone beefing yeah, yeah. with Johnny Rotten and mm -hmm. like they're like definitely Johnny Rotten's drunk as fuck and like and they're just talking shit and it was like sick to see like a Ramone like talking shit about <laughs> a sex pistol it was yeah. like amazing to like witness that 
Uh, I don't remember exactly the details, but I think that was it. the the Julian Temple. Was it Julian Temple? Uh, the it's going it's Iggy Pop and Rollins yeah. and Thurston Moore, <laughs> just sort of sitting there looking at the floor and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. while Johnny Rotten's going mad at a Ramon. Yeah, I mean, you know, we uh, London did sort of t- try at least try and take. I think the popularization of punk rock maybe grew. Okay. Go on. Is there any validity to the claim? that the Sex Pistols were funded by the USSR? I have no, like, mate, I have no idea. I have Honestly, absolutely no. I wouldn't be surprised. Are you, are you <laughs> <laughs> go on. Cause like in America, there's like a lot of like leftist, like tanky ass commie idiots who like, you know, not, you know, not all communists are idiots, but a lot of them are at least where we come from. And, and there's been, more clarity in recent moments that like there's a lot of groups that are funded by the Kremlin to like destabilize left-wing political movements and like <laughs> it's kind of hilarious but I so I was like so all of a sudden people always said that to me like oh yeah they were like funded by like the Russians and I was always like that's full of shit but like now I'm like yo honestly plausible I mean, that's way above my pay grade, I've got to be honest. I couldn't know less about that. The Ramones were never funded by the USSR. They were funded by uh, Rockaway Beach and the... And Nathan's... Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. That, that, that sounds like... This is the first I've ever heard that thesis put to me before so I, 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 I couldn't give you any sort of insight into that whatsoever but you know I think it's interesting that the UK sort of at least tries I know I don't know what it's like in the US but certainly over here the UK has sort of claimed punk rockers oh we we invented this and I just I've always gone well we didn't we might have popularized it for a little bit and made it real popular to the people who didn't know it existed at all but I don't think we can claim that we invented it do you know what I mean I guess I, re- I I don't know I can't honestly I really can't say because what again wasn't here wasn't there even when this shit is said to have become you know what I mean but like you know who the fuck knows but like Hassel Atkins I say is 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 definitely one of the originators of freaky deaky music um, you know what I mean and and the list goes on you know what I mean so yeah. I don't fucking know well um. I, I don't think we we sort of went on a tangent I was going to ask you about New, like growing up in New York the options to be in and, and play whatever kind of music you guys wanted to play like how big uh, an inspiration is New York as a city for you guys uh, I mean it's it's where we grew up so it's like kind of like you know in some level we, it's part of our DNA so it's like where yeah. we're from you know we and obviously the exposure to uh, the people we grew up with and the families we were surrounded by and the music that were played that was played in our homes is very much responsible for like why we do what we do and now and then on some level also it's like if you take the subway enough times it will permanently burn a frequency into your brain that possibly will manifest itself on your record in a way that's you know that's why it hurts when you come to our shows like you're getting a little of that of that frequency coming out every night you know so yeah, that's kind of my best way of answering that question. Yeah, sure. Also, like, it like the I think it's like what is it? Uh, wild is it Wild Bunch? Or no, it's not the Wild Bunch. One of the, one of them fucking fifties movies. Um, with uh, with like Marlon Brando and they're like taking over a motorcycle town. He's like talking to this like 
this like picket fence like white girl he's like come on chick like he's like we going out but when we go out we're not going one place that's for busters like we going out we bopping around and i feel like that's how it was in the city it's like we're going out and we're bopping around like there's no you don't fucking sit at home you don't fucking sit in your basement even if you're doing drugs you're not just sitting in one place you're bopping around <laughs> all right cool i think another like um a really important influential factor with with making music growing up in new york is this tension between <clears throat> both being able to see a lot of beautiful um things happening around you and at the same time having no access to it it's either for kids it's either for like the bar people and you're too young or it's for you know people who are prettier or you know it's like or it's like um uh, your like little band when you're young is too shitty and none of the people you look up to want to put you on. So it's this, this, t- and, and to do it yourself is like, actually now that I've gone to tour some, I, to me, sometimes like doing it yourself is even more difficult in New York than other places because some other smaller places you might have more access, you know, to a weird veterans hall where you can do a show or something. And New York, you really have to carve out that little shitty space for yourself. So it's this like tension between like being really blessed to be exposed to so much beautiful, incredible music happening in all these worlds and like not being able to touch it. And that like forces you, if you want to do it, you really have to put in some work into be to be able to touch it or, 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 or just like put out what, you're trying to make mm. that's a really good point yeah that is a good point i think there's it's funny because it, new york to me I, I feel like you can tell when a band's from new york when i listen to a band whatever genre they come from i think there's just something about bands from new york that do have a particular feel to them and it's not really about genre i think a lot of places um like when i think of sort of manchester here in the uk like i know what a manchester band sound like and i kind of know what that's going to be and you don't really have that genre wise in new york but you do still have this kind of uh like you say this kind of feeling from people it's just everything feels a little bit harder and it all feels a bit more kind of um yeah just delivered with a a kind of a roughness and a an, an unpretension which i personally find quite uh quite appealing um uh, harlem he's gonna say you had an album which i think you're gonna pick about 10 minutes ago that you were googling that you wanted to shout uh, out was that am i right uh, in saying that album is uh alles ist gut by daf it's yes a really sick record it's okay. basically like synth bass like acid bass early acid bass with with a drummer and a singer and that's it it's very stripped down but I think like songs on our record, like Out of Place, Boils Up, songs that Julian actually did a lot of programming on because prior to this record, I had kind of been the freaky deaky synth wizard in the <laughs> band. But uh, we kind of, in the process of making this album, took on each other's roles. Like I, I wrote a lot more on guitar and on like the lead riffs and Julian did a lot more synth programming and arranging and with the with within that world. And that was really exciting for us. So. When we when we found this this artist DAF was recommended to us by a producer named Patrick Berger, Sweden. from Sweden, right. who is amazing. He works with a lot of pop artists and uh, was recommended to us 
uh, by our label, but we just hung out with him, and he was just like a great dude, and like played us music, and yeah, and like, and that's that's always the thing. It's like you know when we're in on tour and playing music for each other, that's like kind of like the our office, yeah. you know, and you're you're putting things out into the atmosphere that like will really affect how we end up making music and talk about it because it's kind of what's on our mind. Like Julian played uh, Alice Cooper for me like two years ago mm-hmm. while we were in our studio and it like I became obsessed and then after discovering that Alice was first signed by Frank Zappa who was like one of my childhood favorite artists that Julian and I've been listening to a lot lately too that was like wow look at that like that freak rock connection you know like um, and I, I'm, I'm right now really been into a lot of like 90s uh, metal and rock stuff that is also directly inspired by like Alice Cooper and like his crazy 80s era so everything is connected in a way you know and is kind of coming through so um, you've said the magic word there the 90s um, which means everyone's gonna go oh, he's gonna everyone who listens to this show will now go oh now you're gonna talk about the 90s for about an hour which I do have a tendency to go off on talking about but we wasn't there yeah I know I'm yeah. sorry but I'm, I'm interested to know what 90s band specifically you are referring to in that uh, in that that sphere I gotta say it. It's uh, right now. It's White Zombie. Okay, that's and, good. And yeah. and I honestly like, real talk. Like they're obviously known for those, like their fifth, sixth, and seventh mm. record, which are those popular ones. But the first records sound like Jackie's band, Sediment Club. And yeah, I was, and, and not as good crazy, as Sediment right? Club. Right. But, okay. but like they could have played a show together at one point in CBGB's had Sediment Club been around back then. And I just think that that connection is there. I mean, every band kind of goes through that and then evolves into like some sort of like final form Godzilla version of itself, you know, and like, mm. and I, I, you know, I think like that's, that's what's also really exciting to me about seeing like the careers of different artists, like how they've evolved and, you know, either embrace their ideas more or, or less, you know, throughout the course of it, you know? Yeah, you never would have imagined, if you go back to those early White Zombie things, yeah. you never would have imagined that band would be playing the MTV Music Awards in 1995. Yeah. Like, that seems so completely ridiculous when they sound like fucking, um, you know, the butthole surfers and yeah. when they're doing that whole weird, like, yeah, it's absolutely mad. Um, yeah, they're a great, they're a great band. They are a great band. Uh, it's weird to see Rob Zombie turn into just kind of schlocky cartoon monster man when oh, he used yeah. to be, do you know what I mean? It is really yeah. weird. If well, you that's know. what I mean. Like, I, I'll punish these guys when it's my when I get handed the ox, I'll punish them with with my taste. But then it's like then we'll have some sick conversations about it. Like, like I don't think Julian really liked typo negative until I played it enough times for him. He's like, oh, I can actually hear what is good about this. You I know? still don't like Robbie. Uh, yeah, and that's right. that's valid. That's you like typo negative? negative? I do like typo negative. Yeah, I was gonna say we have yeah, massive I mean, falling out if yeah. we anyone talk shit on typo yeah. negative. I mean, I, I think that there's like it's just uh, it's interesting because it's like a different era, and we were babies at that time. Like that's not mm. who we are. We're you know it's like we love listening to all kinds of stuff. But I, I think the the discourse between like what we like and dislike is cool. You know, it's like it's and it, it's exciting because we can then like bring those conversations into the music making process you know yeah try to like show each other's ideas and like be like no nah, that's not that's too robbie zombie or that's too <laughs> yeah. you know uh crass or too whatever you know what i mean it's like it's it's good to like to flesh things out and not be like we're trying to make this exact recreation carbon copy of this song that has been made before you know it's like 
it's that it's that uh, that's where a lot of our good shit i feel like comes from you know? yeah do you ever consider the um uh what should we call it the kind of um the commercial ceiling if you like for the type of music because you know, say you take white zombie in 1986 and then 10 years down the line they're on mtv and they're a huge platinum selling band they're doing arenas with pantera and they're massive they're on the fucking crow soundtrack and doing all this stuff um that does feel like it's i mean it seemed unlikely then but it feels like it's almost for for guitar bands like that just doesn't really happen anymore unless you go for a a, a bring me the horizon or something like that um uh, yeah you've just <laughs> screwed your face on i'm not gonna i'm not saying you're gonna sound like no, bring no, me the horizon no, no no disrespect to bring me the horizon. okay fine um but you know like that seems to be the sole career path for yeah. like becoming a band of a sizable nature do you ever kind of consider the um, the more kind of commercial possibilities and avenues in which you might go down with your music? Julian, you've pulled a face that's making me think that you're almost offended by this question. No, no, it's just a crass one to ask, but I think it's cool as you're asking. But we don't usually think about that, no. We don't usually think about it. I think we think about punishment and like how hard a sound can like convince somebody and be like, and like, and and be like uh, undeniable to a certain extent. But we don't really, I I don't think we really think about like, oh shit, like, you know what I mean? And one thing I'd say that is as far as like, as far as like communication goes, I don't see anything cool or beautiful about not being direct with the audience. And, and I want, and it was my cousin, and our old producer Gabriel Millman, who really made me enunciate, and he was like, "You like, you should. The audience should know what you're saying." And like, I think, I think honestly, I think if if more bands just like enunciated more, and like thought it, and like let go of the idea that it's cool to not enunciate, like only if you're like discharge really is it really that cool if you're not enunciating or if you're like doom like that's you're that only if you're those dudes like is it still cool to like not enunciate because so many people don't enunciate like just just tell people what the fuck you're saying you know what i mean especially if it's like scary or whatever like something needs to be said something needs to be expressed something is wrong it would be cool to know what the fuck you're saying so i think in that sense i i do want to get better even still at enunciating and like connecting with more people you know what i mean because our goal obviously people are like oh you're from new york but also our goal is to speak to children like all over the world you know what i mean to and to like uplift kids so that they can make their own fucking scenes and their own bands and their their own small autonomous communities like all around the world hopefully you know what i mean that's that's the end goal you know what i mean so we we don't have i don't think some kind of like I don't know what you what the word you would use, but like we've no feelings or romanticizations about like trying to stay small and niche and like this is only for some people and shouldn't be for those people. This music is for children and it's for all the kids and all the freaks out there and anybody looking for anything. The music is for you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think wanting to appeal to a lot. Of, I don't understand why you start a band and go. I only want to appeal to, you know, kind of this very small already. Um, converted group of underground people like do you know that's what when I sort of when I was asking that question I was sort of thinking I also assumed that you're really cool yeah 
yeah you know like yeah it's it's um i mean i don't like to use the word elite because i think people should be allowed to you know like whatever it is that they like but i do think that like i mean i personally i'm sort of a little bit bored of um i don't like the idea of uh narrowing yourself off from you know uh, large swathes of people because you know they're they're young or they're <laughs> do you know what i mean like the sort of you know the the people who go well you can't like taylor swift because look at her fans they're annoying i think well they're just young kids who are excited about music do you know what i mean like what the fuck's wrong with that that's that's good isn't it surely like i don't want to get myself away from people who are young and excitable and actually kind of passionate about music i would rather stand with those people than stand with someone who's folding their arms at the back and going well this band aren't a real hardcore band because their hair's too long or whatever do you know what i mean like i don't think that's very good and i would it, i like personally you know the first time i heard you guys was on bbc six music who i think do uh you know for a, a, a as big a platform as as the bbc are to hear show me the body played by marianne hobbs at like midday um on a weekday I just think he's a, that, that that's really amazing and it, that they do such a great mix of stuff and you guys didn't feel out of place in amongst the soul and the hip-hop and the pop and the folk music that she was playing on there it was just like it was just good and I don't know maybe I'm over romanticizing my upbringing when you know Nirvana became huge and I feel like lots of really cool bands were allowed to just be the thing that they could be something to be said about uh your like uk radio is fucking ill like when we turn on uk radio and we're just like bopping around in this country you'll just hear some like sick ass techno that like is usually not played on the radio in america or like some random ass band like that's and we feel super blessed to be part of that and that dj's place on the radio out here because we don't get played on the radio in america like there's like there's like four things that are being played on American radio like right now. There's like four different beats. And if it's not like these four beats, it's not gonna get played in America and those beats will be different in two months. Two of them will stick around for six months, but two of them are gonna flip in four months. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's like, it's it's very, it's much more, I think, algorithmic in America with American radio. And I think UK radio should be, y'all should be really proud of that. Right. Well, it's, it's funny because for years and years, I know that people within kind of punk and hardcore and metal and, whatever sort of alternative music have kind of bemoaned the fact that there isn't specific stations for the music they listen to and we don't really have a quote-unquote rock station the same way i know you guys have like serious xm or you know like total true rock and then when i go out to america and I hear those radio stations i don't but think i'd be really... BBC, right? no no you, you don't serious xm radio right okay yeah, yeah. Same thing. it's not but we i mean we have no option of that at all but Having listened to those stations, I think they are quite um, the the boundaries. They all seem quite quite narrow. All of the boundaries. So I, you know, I think yeah, like I think Six Music's amazing because it does have doesn't seem to have any boundaries to what they play at all, which I think is amazing. Um, Julian, last thing I want to ask you, I'm coming out of my comfort zone a bit here because I know nothing about this instrument really or any of the people that play it other than Steve Martin and Kermit the Frog. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, like I'm just being honest. That's um, the Holy Trinity. <laughs> uh, but, William Stephen Kermit. Um, but you're my so you're my you're my top three banjo players ever. Um, along with, yeah, yeah. Uh, when did you pick up this instrument, and what kind of inspired you to pick it up? Um, my cousin brought it back went went to college in Ohio and like found the banjo, and he brought it back, 
and I was like, oh, this shit is very beautiful. It's very cool. And I really like the sound. And then I also became a really big fan of this artist, Roscoe Holcomb, who plays the banjo a lot. Roscoe Holcomb is a artist from, I think like really like Tennessee and like in the, in the mountains, Tennessee, in like the f like 30s and 40s, 50s. And um, he was more like discovered when later in his life. And uh, he's just a, a bad motherfucker playing the banjo and sounded so beautiful and, and really made me just want to explore it some more and the, my I, I I got a shout out um um John uh John Cavano Cavano um who makes the uh who makes what I play you know what I mean he makes the pickup he's this old man in Utah he's a very special guy and uh yeah and he, he makes it possible Sweet. Okay. um yeah man it gives you I mean it's something that gives you guys like a really a sound I think which is really unique to you and like you know you're saying before it's a, a really important part of the band so yeah um, I'm going to go and check out more is it is it, is it I feel like that's a sound that I want to investigate more having listened to you guys because I guess it's just something which again here in the UK no one plays a banjo no one really thinks about it much I didn't know anything about it other than the you know kind of knowing the deliverance thing or whatever it's just something that we don't really think about and so to hear it an alternative you know punk rock record it's like Oh wow! What a, you know, this is actually a really fucking cool instrument, especially when, you know, there are so many instruments used in folk-inspired bands from this side of the pond who don't use that instrument, and we use like a mandolin or whatever. But yeah, it's kind of made me want to kind of you know dive more into to that sound and that music a bit more. So, yes, good. Anyway, um, that's it, gents. Thanks very much for chatting to us. Cheers for coming on the show. Much appreciated. And um, good luck with the rest of the tour. I know you guys are playing Brixton tomorrow and it's going to be pretty chaotic, so I understand. We hope so. We <laughs> yeah. Hope so. All right, nice. Cheers for chatting to us, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Cheers. You. All right, there you go. That was me talking to the lads in Show Me The Body. I hope you enjoyed that. Little uh, extra bonus bit of chit-chat <laughs> around that album at the end there. Um, I didn't get to go and see him in Brixton, by the way, because uh, this is a weird bit of thing but i was gonna go see him in brixton they're playing now as we record basically so i didn't get to go and see them in the end spoiler alert uh we'll be back next week sam we'll be back next week yeah and i'm still hoping that we're going to be doing i've got an idea for a show we're doing next week because you know the world cup starts next week it seems to come earlier uh, earlier and earlier every year earlier it's the bloody latest one it's ever been you nutter. it's also you not nutter. every year fucking hell oh yeah yeah, yeah. um all right good so look we will maybe be referencing the world cup i want to do some sort of special on uh, football not about foot not about football oh. Some of these are, don't talk too much about football it's not going to be about football but it will be about football and music hey. do they work together do they work two words for you well four words actually James Corden and Dizzy Rascal. <laughs> so I think I think we know. But more about that next week. Go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop and you can listen to some of our exclusive content if you'd like to sign up for that. And we will see you next week. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>